Hey y'all, this is Jess. This is Jordan. And welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I am surprised that joke hasn't gotten old yet. (laughs) And welcome to our ultimate scary movie guide episode. Yeah, this is a different type of episode, because obviously we did like the ultimate Halloween movie last week uh, with Halloween, and that was actually a conversation we had in here. It's like, well, last week's was just titled Halloween. What do we call this episode? Right. Um, so rather than having gone on a date and gone to see a specific movie, then coming back and talking about the specific movie, uh, we wanted to celebrate our releasing an episode a day early on Halloween itself. Yes. And just kind of talk about our love of scary movies and horror movies and seasonal movies like this. And, uh, yeah, we are going to provide you with the ultimate compendium of all things <laughs> horror movies. Yes. And we're very much seasonal people. Like if I think about it, once October rolls around, I would say September, October, we go into scary movie mode. And then November, I say, is scary movie and holiday movies. And then mm-hmm. we go into holiday movie mode. So I will, um, granted, we do watch scary movies all year, but we really do kind of stick to it. We kind of binge them this time of year. Like, yeah. I, re- I think really, like, First Man is the only non-horror movie we've watched this season. Yeah, I think that I, so. That I can think of. That I can think of. I'm, so, I mean, unless you want to count The Nun and The Predator, because both of those we saw in September. Yes. <laughs> they count. We saw them. We went. We paid money. We saw them. We paid money. And they weren't scary. Right. Um, so we obviously can't rate this other than... I guess we give it all the jack-o'-lanterns. Well, I think I think as we talk about specific movies, we can kind of give quick ratings. What do we what do we want the rating system to be across the board? Skull and crossbones. Skull and crossbones. Okay, uh, this is going to be a very scattershot episode because literally we came in here without a plan. Uh, but I think that's going to be I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, sit down, talk about some movies. Um, what is the drink of the podcast, Jessica? Um, it is coffee. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are uh, recording this early in the morning. Literally, we both just woke up and we're like, we got to record this now. Yeah. Uh, but we are off the whole 30 Yay. officially. So this is coffee actually spiked with bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. Um, so welcome, everyone. Um, obviously, we kind of refer to a lot of movies throughout this podcast and I think we kind of always come back to horror um a few housekeeping things before we move on um we should we're on Stitcher yeah uh as of this recording we have submitted to Stitcher and they have not gotten back to me okay so we are Stitcher pending so if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or if you're listening to this on SoundCloud and you want to be able to subscribe and be able to find us a little easier Stitcher will be hopefully be up soon yeah I've gotten uh, I've gotten a few people who uh, surprising I'm used to just doing everything on Apple because as a musician you know Apple all works together and I've just become a mob wife with them I understand that I'm spending way more money on things that can be easily done but with more inexpensive tools right uh, but you know 
I've been Apple for a long time. You've been Apple for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I kind of take for granted the fact that there are is a good chunk of people who don't use Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so those are the ones who are uh, listening to us on SoundCloud. Um, we we have actually really good following building up on SoundCloud. Yeah. So thank you to all of you listening. Yeah. Thank you guys. Um. But. Once we get up on Stitcher, I think that'll be a lot easier for the non-Apple people to to listen to. You know, you can just do the Stitcher app and you can subscribe to us there. It'll tell you when we have a new episode, just like it would on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Uh, I, act- I actively use both. You know, Stitcher... Stitcher they have a free version, which I think ours should be on mm-hmm. uh, because we haven't done any deals with them. But even Stitcher Premium, that's like $3 a month and it's so worth it. You get a lot of extra content with other... And you can, like, How Did This Get Made is Stitcher Premium. You can get certain episodes for free, but then you can get all of them on premium. Yeah. Like that. Uh, yeah. If you do Stitcher Premium, you get every episode they did. Otherwise, they had to do a paywall, and they basically rotate out their episodes. But right. there's some great ones that are just, like, Stitcher Premium uh, specials in itself. Uh, you've heard me talk about on this podcast, I've been listening to uh, In Voorhees, We's Trust with Gorley and Rust, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about the Friday 13th movies. And, I mean, you guys think our episodes are long? They're doing, like, almost three hour long, which I'm fine with because they're great. But that's only something you can do with Stitcher Premium. So, you know, Stitcher does not know we exist at this point, except for the fact that I submitted to them. We are not getting paid to pimp Stitcher Premium. But uh, yeah, Stitcher is actually a great platform and you non-Apple users will have a great option here pretty soon to listen to us. Yes. And you can always find us on Instagram, uh, Date Night at the Movies. Facebook is also Date Night at the Movies or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. We actually have a discussion board and we have a lot of people who post um, and we get to kind of chat about what they thought about these reviews. Um, what else? Oh, we do have Twitter. We're bad at that. Yeah, Twitter, we basically have it as a placeholder right now. Uh, they won't let us do at date night at the movies for whatever reason. Yeah. Right now we're at underscore, we're at date underscore movies, which I don't love, but it works. Uh, I wanted to do DNATM, but there's apparently a Russian bot somewhere that's already taken that. Oh, losers. (laughs) I know, right? So we'll work on that. Um, And I guess, oh, um, and a huge thanks to our sponsors, Rocks Jewelry. We also um, have Venic Eyewear. Um, There's going to be a code coming up for that. And so with the holidays around the corner, you can get Rocks Jewelry 15% off Mm -hmm. um, and Venic Eyewear. We don't have our code yet, but I believe it's going to be for 30%. It's either 15 or 30. I can't remember. Yeah, we, we have our sunglasses coming in from Venick, and I am really stoked about it. Really We're cool. actually waiting to get our photo shoot done until we have those glasses. Indeed. So yeah. it's going to be really rad. Uh, uh, other- thanks to Fit Kitchen as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tony over at Fit Kitchen was great to uh, be with us on our Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom episode. He, yeah. In case you guys missed that, he was uh, one of Chris Pratt's stunt doubles. Yeah. And he invited us over to his restaurant on, on an off day and, you know, spent 30 minutes talking to us and it was just awesome. So, you know, we like telling anybody if you're in the Atlanta area, go to Fit Kitchen. It's great. Yeah. And Tony's really good. Um, if you tell him, hey, I heard you on Date Night at the Movies, the podcast, Can I, he's really good about taking pictures of people yeah yeah totally um and his wife Thais is really really sweet so you can get a picture with her too mm-hmm. she's hard to get in front of the camera she's hard to get in front of the camera but she is like she is incredibly photogenic so I recommend you try yeah. <laughs> um okay let's dive in all right so I'm and trying to figure out how to give this episode some form of structure well 
let's let's list off the movies we've watched this season. Okay, uh, so you know we've already mentioned the new Halloween. Halloween we watched. Watch Halloween H two O. We watched uh, the house. The house is October built. Yeah. Um, thank you, Lennon, for that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other night we watched Scream. Yeah, we did Scream. We did uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yes. I can't recommend that movie it's enough. so good. Um, uh, I have watched all of the Friday the 13th movies. Yes. Um, you've been working a lot, and I have been in between going in the studio. I'll take an hour and a half break and go watch a Jason movie, then come back yeah. down and keep working. Um, and there's, I, I did see the Rene Rivas um, fan film, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, that, what was that one called again? Uh, Spirit of Haddonfield. Haddonfield. Spirit yeah. of Haddonfield. Um, I have rewatched Never Hike Alone, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th. Um, and I saw that at Fright Fest. Yeah, that, for those of you who don't know, you've heard Jessica mention it a few times. She was the stunt coordinator on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, even if Jessica wasn't a stunt coordinator on that, that's a fan film done right. Yeah. You know, like, because normally people use the term fan film as a derogatory term because a lot of them are bad. Yeah. Well, uh, I almost didn't take the job. Yeah. Whenever, uh, um, the director is Vincent DeSanti and Vin is, Vin is a powerhouse and he, the, I'm really, really excited to have worked with him and, uh, I've been pestering for him to come on this podcast too. Um, yeah. Original plan was for him to come on the Halloween episode with us. Yes. But, um, he's been on the road with never hike alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the one year anniversary, um, at that, I think it was the Idaho film festival that won best film. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can watch it free on YouTube. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it is completely. Well, actually, I think. What, what's the Friday the Thirteenth like documentary that like talks about all of them? Uh, it's not Crystal Lake Memories, or is it Crystal? Lake I think Memories? it's Crystal Lake Memories. Yeah, yeah, it's like the seven hour long one, yeah, right? Friday uh, Never Hike Alone is going to be added. That's cool. Yeah, so it's going to be actual, not actual canon, but mm-hmm. fan canon. Yeah. No, Never Never Hike Alone is uh, great. I actually was up to do sound design for it, and it just didn't end up working out, you know. So it would have been cool to have had a project that you and I worked on together. But, uh, I mean, it turned out great. Again, it's fan film done right. And if you have any modicum of affection for, like, not only the Friday the 13th movies, but 80 slasher movies, if you like any of the remakes uh, that they've done recently, and I don't say that derogatorily because we actually like some of the remakes that they've done in the last 15 years of the older slasher movies. Uh, But yeah, it is definitely worth you checking out. Um, Vin, there are two people playing Jason in that movie. Vin is one of them, and he definitely does a great job. His big scene as Jason, I think you know which one I'm talking about, is great. Uh, And then our buddy Brian Forrest, you've heard me talk about on the podcast a few times. He's one of our best friends down in L.A. Uh, He was the main stunt double for Jason. And again, sausage being made, Brian doesn't like horror movies. (laughs) Brian, I don't think, has ever seen a Friday the 13th movie. but Still hasn't. Yeah, but he ended up being a really, really good Jason. I think it actually played well that he hadn't seen a Friday the 13th because... You know, every Jason has their own way of moving, and Brian did a really good job of just taking the notes that Vin gave him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to watch Vin and yeah. how he moved, which is it's a stunt double's job. Um, 
so yeah, it, it, that turned out, turned out really well. And that's something you can watch for free. Yeah. Yeah. Free on YouTube. Just look up Never Hike Alone. It's got, it's got some crazy amount of views. So it'll be like the first thing that yeah. comes up. Also actually, uh, the Blu-ray just came out. Oh yeah. So, but there's a wait list for that. Um, they were only able to make under like all the copyright whatever's they were only made, able to make so many. So if you go to Womp Stomp Films Instagram and their website, you can get on the waiting list for the Blu-ray. <gasps> we have a dog at the podcast. He li- Charlie literally came in here, looked at us, and is now waiting at the door. So I'm going to go let Charlie out. <laughs> Want to go outside? Want to go outside? Good boy. Good boy. Oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful fall day here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's especially easy to enjoy the beautiful fall day because we finally got our heater fixed. Yeah. <laughs> Another housekeeping thing. <laughs> yeah. Guys, renting, it was awesome. <laughs> no. So because you were so intimately involved in Never Hike Alone, and I, I say this unbiasedly that like you are a big reason why that movie is a, is a success. Oh. And I, I've heard Vin say that, and I've heard yeah. the people behind the scenes say that. But You can, can see me talk in the behind the scenes. Yay! Can we objectively rate that in Skull and Crossbones? Um, sure. Uh, I mean, even being a a key part of it, and um, it was one of the first times as a stunt coordinator um, and a performer, but I didn't perform in this, that I was... I got to be a part of the story making and I do see where we, I could have done better. So mm-hmm. I, I say object, objectively, I give it a, like a 4.3 mm-hmm. skull and crossbones. Like de- skull and crossbones. I definitely give it like a four. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, again, it's fan film done right. It's free on YouTube. It's, it's less than an hour long, right? It's feature film length. So it's like right, I believe it's like 55, 56 minutes. Yeah, so it's definitely worth your time. Any any time of the year, if you just like those movies, and I'm assuming you do because you're actively, excuse me, you're actively listening to this podcast. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah, and it, um, yeah, but it's a good watch. And what's nice about it being a little bit shorter because mm-hmm. most horror films aren't two and a half hours long. We we would no. all kill ourselves. No, I think I think the new Halloween is the longest one in the series, and that wasn't even two hours. Yeah, it's just like, oh, come on. And and Never Hike Alone just is missing kind of the padding to make it longer. Yeah, it's well, very it's like a, this it's a, is the this is the story. It's a cast of like two people for most of the movie, so you don't have yeah. the scene with the with the counselors around the fire. Uh, right, you know, it, you it gets right to the nitty gritty. Yeah, they don't tell you the history of Jason. You kind of figure it out as you go. You yeah, know? and um, I won't spoil it because I know a lot of people have seen it, a lot of people haven't. But uh, there's a really good twist at the end. Yeah. And I, so if you like Friday the Thirteenth, you should be pretty stoked about it. Um, and the movie's over a year old, so you don't search the internet for it because you'll find out in two seconds yeah. or read the comments. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What other movies have we seen? We watched the prequel of the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, which, you know, I like, okay. Yeah. It, it's a, it is a passable movie. Yeah. There, there isn't too much to talk about that one because like you can sit down and you can watch it, but there's not much about it that you're just like, Oh, this, you know, and the lead we, female is my favorite part. Well, yeah. I mean, and I am a huge Mary Elizabeth Winstead fan, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so I'll pretty much watch her in anything, you know, and she's good in it. She definitely elevates the role. Uh, yeah. I definitely don't think that they should have shoehorned as many Americans in it. Cause for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, 
I'm a huge fan of the thing, John Carpenter's uh, from 1982. Well, the first one. So let's meld talking. I know we never finished what we've watched so far, but here we go in classic Jordan and Jessica fanfare. <laughs> We're gonna dive right in. Yeah. Um, let's kind of like talk about take a few minutes because again, we this is all truncated. Let's talk about the original The Thing and the prequel that came out. Okay, should we start with the prequel since it's technically the first that came in the story, or should we start with the well, original? We were already talking about the prequel. Okay, so the prequel, the prequel is about the Norwegian camp, which yes. uh, which in the original thing, like that's where you know the first thing that happens are the Norwegians are changing the dog. That spoil alert is actually the thing trying right. to shoot it. So they go to the Norwegian camp and just find it in complete disarray. Like you know, it's parts of it are burned down. There's a bloody axe in the wall. Some guy had slashed his wrist, and the blood froze down in icicles. Yeah. Um. So the prequel is about that, but which in, happens just days before the thing. Yeah. The end. The literal end of the prequel thing. And it's confusing that they called them both the thing. Uh, yeah. The end of the prequel is the first scene in uh, in the in the original, which I actually thought was pretty clever the way they did that. Yeah. Um, but like in true Hollywood fashion in the early 2010s, they tried to put a few Americans in there and it just kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. The biggest thing about that movie and the biggest attraction against it, because like, you know, it it's not as tense as the original. And that's forgivable, you know, because sometimes you, you don't always have to watch a perfect movie. You just have to watch something that doesn't bore you sometimes. <laughs> um, right. And but they had uh, Tom Woodruff Jr. and Alec Gillis, who they've been in charge of doing like the Alien and Predator movies for mm-hmm. a long time. Uh, you know, creature effects guys. Uh, they went on there and they were doing all practical effects, similar to the way they did in the original. And then the studio freaked out because they're like, it looks so dated and you can only shoot it from one angle. And they're like, yeah, they're designed that way. This is the angle that you shoot. Right, because uh, we did our storyboards and we did our homework. We're just going to shoot it this way. Yeah, so they ended up pasting over everything with these really bad looking digital effects. Uh, they kind of look like villains from like the first couple of Resident Evil video games <laughs> or like... The Rock, when he was in the second Mummy movie, uh, the, the really digital Scorpion King. Oh, yeah. Ooh, not yeah, it, it looked like that. That is the biggest thing about the biggest attraction against this movie. And then towards the end, like they, they're they're kind of setting up all the things that you see in the original one when they go to the Norwegian camp. And that's kind of clumsy. So, like, yeah, overall, I would give that one like a two and a half. But like. A better two and a half than the Predator because I would actually re I actually would rewatch the prequel. Well, we thing. own the prequel. Yeah, I just we just don't watch that one every year. No, and that one came out when it came out. It came out at the same time as Prometheus. Uh huh. I swear, like I thought they were the same movie. Yeah, they're not. When you watch them, they're totally not. But uh, and to kind of and I would give it like a two. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of never pay attention in it. Yeah. Um, and I and to go back to the original, the thing, it's so it's such an original idea when it came out, and the practical effects in it are just stunning. And they and it's not dated because no. someone actually made that crap. Well, what's great about the original thing 
So again, it's all practical effects, but they went so over the top with it that it wouldn't date that way, you know? Right. Like if they had tried to make it look realistic, then it then it's something that people would think just looks cheesy now. But because they went so over the top and they were they were trying to think of something that is grotesque and beautiful at the same time, and if you don't if you've seen that movie and you don't have the image of the head sprouting the spider legs ingrained in your brain, oh, there's something wrong with I you. I know, right? Yeah. So the original so we've given the uh, the prequel like twos. Mm-hmm. What would you give the original thing? Oh, five. Yeah. Hands down. F- the, the original thing not only is one of my uh, and I say the original thing. There was obviously the one from the fifties that oh. that this that John Carpenter was reimagining. His took it closer to the book. Uh, honestly, I haven't seen that one all the way through. Uh, but the John Carpenter's thing, I would give a five. It's not only one of my favorite horror movies, but it's just one of my favorite movies. I love it. I love the music in there. Uh, Ennio Morricone did the score to it. Then John Carpenter went in and just kind of added some like atmosphere stuff whenever yeah. it just needed something simple. And they were just like all synth drones and things like that. But I, I love that movie. What yeah. about you? You know, I would give it like a four. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I really do like the movie. Um, and I rewatch it, but to me, I get it. Like I get it. Um, I, I, I really like it. I really like it, but there's a lot of dog killing and uh, like, I'm just a, I'm a big pansy. You guys, I'm just a big baby and I've got to be real about myself. (laughs) Uh, That, that part isn't my favorite part of the movie. Like, I mean, it's super imaginative and that's actually the scene where Stan Winston came in because Rob Bottin did the effects for it, but he was literally working 23 hour days seven days a week trying to get it done and like sleeping on set. So eventually they had to take him to the hospital and he had to recover from massive exhaustion. So Stan Winston came in and did the dog scene. Uh, And it's great, but it is, you know, it is hard to watch. And you guys heard me on the Meg. I almost didn't see the movie until I found out that they, that the Meg didn't eat the dog. Right. Um, And so I really do like the thing. Um, It's just not my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's but the old man when they're doing the petri dishes with the blood. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're like, it's so good. It's it's really good, and I give it a four. I think it's just because it's not, it's not my favorite. Yeah. Um. So so we've talked a lot, especially when we talk about horror movies. John Carpenter tends to come up a lot. Yes, he does. I would say that John Carpenter is out of like the directors who have, whether you want to say they specialize in it or they got pigeonholed in it. Cause I know he started off wanting to make Westerns. He wanted to make Howard Hawks Westerns. I mean, me too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I would say that out of like these straight up horror directors, John Carpenter is probably the best of them. Wouldn't you agree? You know, I think what's so great about John Carpenter is it's kind of how I feel about Stephen King is they are they everyone wants to be them. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Carpenter, you can hear a John Carpenter score. You know, you you know, a Stephen King story. Mm-hmm. We watch things and go, oh, gosh, that's so John Carpenter. We don't ever you know, we He's iconic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Mr. Carpenter, I know you're listening. Right. Um, and we talk about how we have a flipping signed picture of him in our guest room. <laughs> um, I just think he taking how like Halloween and the thing, they don't feel like they're from the same creator. 
To me, they do, but they like the thing feels like he he evolved from Halloween and made the thing. And of course, yeah. in between them, he made like the Elvis TV movie, which was the first time he worked with Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh, he made Escape from New York, which is not a horror movie, but definitely feels like John Carpenter. Yeah, it's just they're all such unique stories. And Kurt Russell's awesome, so yeah. I'm sure he's awesome. To, I hope he's awesome to work with. I've never mm-hmm. worked with him. But um, I just, I, I think John Carpenter is unparalleled. And something that me as an artist always talks about, too, is he's not just a filmmaker. Um, let me take a step back. So growing up, I rode horses. Mm-hmm. And I, I was on a jumper circuit my whole life. And that's what I did. And my riding trainers made me take dance classes and do all these other things and play other sports. And they said, well, it just makes you better at what you do. And that's something that I've carried on as a filmmaker and as a stunt woman, as a stunt woman, you know, and I I had someone on set, I had someone on set tell me yesterday, like, what don't you do? And I was like, well, I have, you have to be able to do everything because you need to be good at your job. Like being a stunt woman, I'm really proud that I have a background as an actress, but that I'm also a medic because it makes me better safety. I can look around with a different eye and hopefully, you know, as I continue to learn, I'm currently uh, have written in in production for a redneck Western Um, with all these skills. It makes me look at things differently. And I think John Carpenter is such an artist Mm -hmm. and it really influences. You can see how clear his eye is. All of his imagery in his movies is so unique and clear. Like he knows how to tell a story. And I think that's why John Carpenter, I think that's why he's so influential to both of us is he's, he's not just a director. He's a writer, he's a creator, he's a musician, and he's really sees, I I feel like his dreams are in Technicolor. (laughs) Uh, so, so a follow up to that, who are some other like horror filmmakers who you may have either sought out or you just always like, oh, I will go see a movie from them. Oh gosh. James Wan. James Wan. Definitely. Oh my gosh. It's a James Wan camera move when you feel like you're going upside down and backwards. Yeah. I still say that the first saw holds up well. I'm not a fan of the other saw movies. Yeah. Uh, from like two through the one that they came out with last year. I don't like them. Uh, yeah, because it's just gross for the sake of gross. But the first Saw movie is a tense horror movie that isn't nearly as violent as it could have been. Now, That's it, fair. It's it's violent and yeah. it's gross, but it does it with a purpose. You know, even the movies that James Wan has made that I don't really care for, I think that he's such a good filmmaker that I'm still kind of on board for them. Uh, I just I just love. Um there's this underlying tension that's covered by peace that James Wan puts in things. It's just this underlying tone. It feels like there's this tight cord being pulled underneath all of his movies Mm -hmm. that you're just like, things aren't right. (laughs) Things aren't right. And you don't know why they're not right until they're not right. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, I'm very drawn to that. With the Conjuring movies, especially the first one, he did the slow burn so well. And a slow burn horror movie is hard to do right without just being boring. Yeah, because you need scares. Yeah. Um, what, what's, the, what's the rule? There has to be a scare every, uh, like, ten pages? Okay, so this came from, uh, I heard this 
on Twitter from Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, which if you're not familiar with them, they did Sinister, which is still one of my favorite scary movies. Uh, they did Exorcism of Emily Rose. Most of you probably know them because they did Doctor Strange. Uh, but I loved Emily Rose. That was my horror movie. That was my horror movie in high school. I've only seen it once with you in high school. And of course, like, you know, as a 17 year old in high school, I was like, I understand film. Uh, I probably was looking at it pretentiously. I need to revisit it. It's so good. But they were talking about when they did Sinister is that every 10 pages you have to put a scare in. Now, that can either be like you know, a foreshadowing to something, something that's a little like foreboding. That can be a jump scare if you want. That can be an actual scare. Uh, but the rule that they set out for that is that you have to do that every every 10 pages, um, which I, you know, you can totally see it in that movie. And yes. I, w- I w- heard, you know, John Carpenter talk about that too for the original Halloween and he said that that's one of the rules they follow. It's like a radio play. There has to be something happen every 10 minutes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, you know, and if you're in the hands of a bad filmmaker, that doesn't that doesn't come off well because then it's just jump scares left and right. Right. And it's just something that makes you go. Ugh. Yeah. But John Carpenter is a great filmmaker. Scott Derrickson is a great filmmaker. James Wan is a great filmmaker. And again, it's not just like, oh, we haven't had something here. There has to be a jump scare here. It's like, oh, no. Instead of doing a jump scare, I what I thought about when I was thinking about Sinister after listening to that, it's like, oh, they didn't do a jump scare every 10 minutes. They introduced a new layer to the story. They showed you something kind of disturbing in there. Yeah. And, you know, it may not have been something where you recognize you're being scared, but it is building the tension. That's a... Sinister's really good. What's the one I don't like? Uh, Insidious. I don't like that one. Yeah. I, we, I've only seen it the one time. I didn't like it either. I would be willing to revisit that one and see if I like it any better. I just... For... What's sinister, I call it, uh, spoiler alert, the lawnmower baby movie, um, because that's how I remember it. <laughs> it always, as soon as I say that, I go, oh yeah, that's right, Ethan Hawke. Uh, <laughs> um, sinister, I would give like four and a half skull and crossbones. Mm-hmm. Insidious, I give like one. I do not like that uh, movie. It- at the risk of sending us down another rabbit hole, in just a couple of sentences, what is it you specifically did not like about Sinister um, or about Insidious? I didn't think it was scary, and I just didn't think the monster was convincing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the like you really see the monster in this, um, and the remember lights out. Yeah. So lights out. You see the monster constantly um, in that movie. Oh. I forgot how scary that movie is. Um, And I like seeing the monster. I don't necessarily fall into the rabbit hole of modern movies. You don't need to see it. I love seeing the monster. That's Mm -hmm. what I really want. I want to see it. Well, there has to be some kind of payoff at some point, you know? Right. And and I'm okay with like, it was in your mind. But like, it wasn't. I already scared myself enough as a human being. Um... To me, fear needs to be tangible in some way. Yes. Um, Now, I'll give an example of this is a movie, and like we've talked about before, I think I've even mentioned it on the podcast, I don't really consider this a horror movie, and I think it was a disservice to market it as a horror movie, but it comes at night. Now, it comes at night is is a really good movie. Yes. But it should not have been marketed as a horror. Yes. Now, there's a lot of stuff that they leave up to your head in that movie, 
but there's still a tangible fear. There's still there's are still stakes, you know. Yes. And I mean, it goes off the rails at the end because the stakes get so real. So, like, you know, again, I I and have nothing bad to say about that movie except the way it was marketed. It is, and that and the family that that comes from. We'll have to circle back to that those that family of films. Uh-huh. Um, was it A19? A24. A24. I was like, I know it's an A and a number. Um, yeah. So that's... So Insidious, just to me, the monster is just like, uh, mm-hmm. And I get it. And it just... It felt like a throwback to too many movies and it wasn't enough of its own. And yeah. it, it just wasn't my thing. To me, it felt... It, Insidious felt like a dry run for The Conjuring. I, I thought. Yeah, oh, I can see that. I thought what they were doing in Insidious, and there were a couple of moments in Insidious where I where I very much jumped, you know, like because James again, James Wan is a very good filmmaker. Yes. But uh, to me, it felt like everything that they were trying to do in Insidious, they stripped it down and did it right in The Conjuring. Agreed. I can see that. Okay, so let's rate a couple more movies before we go on. Or was there something else you wanted to add? Well, you talked about directors. Uh-huh. And um, I've directed a semi-horror movie. It was a horror comedy. Yes. Um, ooh, Easter egg. Uh-huh. Here's your Easter egg. Only one person gets this. But if you do hashtag James Wan camera move, mm-hmm. you have to hashtag it on either Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. And I will send you a link to the uh, turkey horror film that I did. Yes, the turkey movie. I'll send you a turkey movie link. It's called Chow Chiu Totalin. Yes, Chow Chiu Totalin. <laughs> Apparently, we've been saying that slightly it's wrong. Chow Chiu Totalin. Chow Chiu Totalin. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. It, we, we swept the awards for the festival we made it for, uh, it, but... Uh, Nobody at, at the end of the at the end of it. Whenever they kept like reading off awards, they uh, they were eventually just said uh, the turkey movie. The turkey movie. So we will send you a link. It's it's password protected um, at this moment. One day it'll be widely released. But uh, if you do hashtag James Wan camera move, I'll send you a link to that. But the reason why I bring that up is I feel very heavily influenced by Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Scream movies, uh-huh. and I love how they kind of, um, you know, I think Scary Movie was, you know, obviously a direct correlation to Scream. Well, Wes, and it made fun of everything. Yeah, Wes Craven brought up a good point with that. And you know, the first Scary Movie is actually still pretty funny. You know, yeah. I don't like any of the other ones, but yeah. the first one's good. But uh, Wes Craven got really offended at that movie because he's like. Because he said, all they did was redo Scream. So I felt like I put in all the work to set up those shots and to get everything uh, to get everything scary like that. And then they just replicated it. Right. But Scream was, it took all these influences that have been coming in since the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And really said, oh, we love all that. Yeah. And I love that it's still campy, but it's also funny. I also have a soft spot in my heart for anything 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, we are products of our generation. We are products of our generation. Um, but Wes Craven really took the teenage horror movie and really updated it. And I think it's like all the way up to Scream 4. Scream? It's really good. Yeah. The on- honestly, the only Scream movie I don't like is the third one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and, like, it's fine. I'll still watch it. But, like, you know, I think Scream 2 is probably my favorite. Oh, okay. F- followed by Scream 1, followed by Scream 4, followed by Scream 3. Okay. That's um, fair. The thing about Wes Craven uh, is when he's on, 
he makes like a perfect movie. But when he's off, it just is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, like the one I was thinking about when, his, when he's off and Wes Craven, rest in peace, uh, is um, Shocker, which was just seemed like a shameless cash grab to try and create another Freddy Krueger. Oh. And he did a sequel to The Hills Have Eyes, which was just awful. And even he was just like, yeah, I did that solely for the money. Uh, because because he hadn't done Nightmare on Elm Street yet, and he was having a hard time finding work. So somebody was like, hey, will you do a sequel to Hills Have Eyes? He's like, yeah, I got a family to feed, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've all done things for that reason, and I don't judge anybody. Yeah. Gary Oldman technically did Harry Potter because he needed work. Yeah. And I remember when I first heard that, I was like, <gasps> mm-hmm. but then Gary Oldman's really good at what he does, and he was brilliant. So, um, um, But Wes Craven, so... Uh, when he's on, though, he elevates whatever it is he's doing. So, yeah. like, with Scream, he elevated the slasher genre, you know? Yeah. Um, and an interesting, couple little interesting behind-the-scenes things uh, with the script on Scream. So, okay. it was written by Kevin Williamson. I have a take-it-or-leave-it relationship with Kevin Williamson. I, I tend to find his dialogue doesn't ring true, uh, even though that's what he's known for. But, you know, that's just me, you know? Uh, I also think that American Horror Story isn't actually a horror story that thinks it's a horror story. Well, that's but, a whole different episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Kevin Williamson, he ran into Tom McLaughlin, who directed Friday the 13th Part 6, uh, which is the one where they bring Jason back to the life. It's the first zombie Jason movie. And it's the one with the sense of humor, you know? Yeah. And he ran into him and he's just like, yeah, your film is basically the reason why Scream exists. Which I just thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, because Tom McLaughlin made that movie specifically for the fans. If you're watching Crystal Lake Memories and you watch him talk, he's talking about how he did, like, yeah, I did this because I knew the fans would do this in the theater. Yeah. Uh, and then, he, but he, also in the script for Scream, he literally wrote dialogue in there. And then whenever it came time for, like, the action sequences, he wrote in there in parentheses, Wes will make it scary here. I love that. <laughs> Which I also, I think is a great form of collaborating between them two. I love that. Too, you know? I love that. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're... They're thrilling. We, you know, um, we had a friend over the other night and just watching, she came in at, towards the end of Scream and it, I was like, great, you're here for the good parts when it just starts snowballing. Yeah. What I love about Scream as well, and we've talked about this, is that it's like the perfect melding of a slasher movie and Looney Tunes because yeah. the reactions whenever the killer gets hit with anything, is they're so big and so but unrealistic. They're so good. <laughs> but they're it's so perfect. good. <laughs> they're so good. Uh, when he when she's running and she hits him with the door um, towards the end of the movie, kind of the big chase. Mm-hmm. All three of us were like on the couch, cry laughing. Yeah. We were like, and then we're at like two seconds later, we're going, "Oh my god, so so good!" But Wes Craven is really influential to me when I look at horror. Yeah, um, because I see it through I I see it through the um, not just a campy, you know, Friday the Thirteenth lens. I see it through this being light because when you're laughing and it gets you get this natural adrenaline from like laughter or like oh my like this is so ridiculous and then when someone has this ridiculous death you're just like this movie's insane well and so another thing i want to mention about Wes craven is you know if we're going to mention him you know we've already talked about the hills have eyes which the hills have eyes his original one is great i I don't think i've ever seen it more than once because it's so disturbing it's so disturbing but yes but uh nightmare on elm street 
I, I will go on record here, and it's not an unpopular opinion, so I'm not, it's not like I'm doing this massive hot take or anything like that. Right. But the only good for, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies are the ones that he was involved in. So yeah. the first one is great. Yeah. Uh, the th- oh, agreed. The third one, where they is basically like X-Men meets Nightmare on Elm Street oh, in the yeah. mental institution. Yeah. That one's good. And they apparently threw out his original script for it. That one was actually written by Frank Darabont, of all people. Really? Yeah. That's not shocking. Um, but, uh... But he produced it, and it still got Freddy Krueger right. And he was, you know, he was joking in a few places, but for the most part, he was menacing, you know. Uh, and then New Nightmare. New Nightmare oh, is so good. New Nightmare is really good. And really, like, what a lot of people talk about with that one is that they consider that to be kind of a dry run for Scream. Because that was one of the first, like, meta-horror movies like that. Because the whole plot of New Nightmare is that Freddy Krueger is an actual demon, and they've been making the movies to keep him trapped. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, people are playing themselves, and then it starts to blend into, like, a fantasy world where, like, they just walked into the movies, but they're still themselves. And it's almost David Lynchian, you know? It's not as surreal as a David Lynch movie would yeah. be, but New Nightmare is so good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about directors, can I mention one more? Of course. Mike Flanagan. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Now... Mike Flanagan has like seven other movies on Netflix right now that we haven't seen. The only ones that we watch together are Hush, which Hush is brilliant. It's so good. Uh, it's super on the edge of your seat. And I would give that one like a four and a half. I would I, totally. It's hard give, to give scary movies, by the way. It's hard to give them like fives mm-hmm. because there has to be flaws. Yeah. Because you have to jump around and you have to justify monsters. And that's really hard. Yeah. But um, I would definitely give Hush four and a half as well. Yeah. It's a, such a clever twist on a slasher movie. Yes. And it subverts a lot of what you're expecting. You know, spoiler alert, the mask comes off really early, which at first I was disappointed about. But then the way that they played it, it's like, oh, no, this is oh, just pure horror. Yeah, it worked. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't seen Hush, it's on Netflix. Most of you probably have a Netflix account, and I highly recommend it. It's not even an hour and a half long, either. It's, like, just brushes under an hour and a half. And, and it's he, perfect. Usually, I go by the Paul Shear rule, where he talks about... he, he Paul Shear. whenever people ask him about, well, how do you know it's a bad movie? He's like, there are two things I always look for. First of all, is there a surfing scene? <laughs> <laughs> now, Hush doesn't have a surfing scene, but the other one is that, does it even break an hour and a half? Because if they couldn't make this movie break an hour and a half then there's something wrong with it uh i think yeah. hush is the exception to that rule though it is as, about as perfect of a slasher movie as you can get um but yeah. uh we also just watched the haunting of hill house which we've brought up like just in this podcast over the next over the past like couple of episodes mm-hmm. Oh my God. So it's so good. It is so good. It's scary where it needs to be scary. It is so artistically done. Uh, and I mean, it, it makes you feel things. It, it really, makes you feel things. It really does. Um, I got the privilege to shadow the stunt coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, Chuck Borden, um, on the series. And so I had some inside, um, insider knowledge before the film or it's, it's shot like a movie, you guys. Yeah, it's, guys it, it doesn't feel like a TV show at all. It's an 11-hour movie. Yes. And um, so I knew a few things, but it didn't... It was built with such sus- suspense, and it was so well done. Um, 
and this is not a spoiler, but it's, it's about the, the mansion. It's about the haunt, like that big mansion. And, um, they actually built that mansion in a soundstage. I walked through that house. It was a fully functioning movie house. So walls came out. It was, but it was a million dollar house mm -hmm. and it's, it's just stunning to see on film. Yeah. It's just stunning. It's it, just everything about it is so good. And especially like, Ugh. you know, because the the series straddles like the same family, but it's different generations of not different generations, but different ages of them. Yes. So like there's the story that happens whenever the main characters are kids. Mm -hmm. And then there's a story that happens when they're adults. And I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys. Yeah, because it's still pretty new. So we won't spoil yeah, it. Yeah. But all I'm going to say is whenever you see how adorable of a kid Luke was uh -huh. and you see what happens to him as an adult. Mm. It, it just makes it's you so feel things. Yeah. And it, God, it is just so, so good. good. I, I would, I would give that one like a six out of five. Oh my that, God. that may be one of the best things I've seen all it, year. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is six feet under. It's very six it's feet very under. It's very six feet under. It's and, very six feet under. And six feet under, I give a 10. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I believe after we finished uh, Hill House, Jordan goes, anything Mike Flanagan does, I'm on board. Yeah. Now, <laughs> on Netflix, and again, I haven't watched them yet, mostly just because we've been so flipping busy. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to go upstairs and kind of half watch a Friday the 13th movie than it is like a more artistically done horror film. Yeah. Uh, but um, on Netflix, he's got Gerald's Game, which is a Stephen King adaptation, yep. which I've heard nothing but good things about. Yep. The, the book is good. The book is hard to read, but I think especially in the current... In the current climate where, you know, people are actually starting to wake up and see how much shit women have had to put up with over the years. Yeah. Uh, Gerald's game is incredibly relevant. Mm -hmm. um, he has Oculus, which I've heard is great. Apparently, he made a sequel to the Ouija board movie that is actually supposed to be really good. Oh, I remember hearing that. Yes. Yeah. And then there's one more that he made. I can't remember what it's called, um, but it's also on Netflix. Um, okay. He's about to do the sequel to The Shining, Dr. Sleep, which the yes. novel for Dr. Sleep was great. Um, I, you haven't read that one yet, have you? No, um, but I'm excited about it. And Mike Flanagan literally brings on the same team yeah, his, on all of these his, movies. His wife is the lead actress in all of his movies. And or not always the lead, but one of the main actresses. And she's so good. I mean, she carries, uh, she carries Hush, right? Yeah. And she, uh, I mean, she's such a compelling character in Hill House that I think it just happens to be that he's married to an incredibly talented actress and it's not just nepotism. Yes. Uh, and you were saying, what were you saying? I kind of interrupted you, uh, him carrying on like the same crew and everything like that. Oh, he brings on the same crew. So when I was talking to the stunt coordinator, Chuck, he was just like, at this point, I know what Mike wants. Mm -hmm. And I think he's just, I think he's a really clear communicator and, um, it, it really, it, it really, really shows. And it's, it's just so dynamic. Um, I, I I'm, I'm on board the flight man, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the flight man again. <laughs> Should we change the Easter egg to flight man again? Flight man again. <laughs> It'd be uh, hard to spell. All right. How about this? You can either do a uh, hashtag James Wan camera move or hashtag flight man again. Uh, but we'll still only do one uh, reward per hashtag. Right. <laughs> Super magicable. Yeah. Um, uh, before we go on our break, um, I want to circle back to the house's October built. Yeah. That was a direct... Um, 
Lennon Hobson said to watch it. So we yeah. did. You guys remember Lennon from the Meg episode. Yes. Le- now, Lennon loves horror movies the way we love horror yes, movies. Yes, and Lennon is currently in Salem because for Halloween. She yeah. literally is on, like, she's been posting a ton of um, of her haunting tours. Mm-hmm. So go to Lennon's, uh, Lennon Hobson on Instagram and she's like storying all this, like being in all these cemeteries. And I think they're staying in, um, I guess um, the woman in black, they're uh-huh. just like going to stay in that, that B and B. Nice. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, so follow Lennon because she's on this awesome Salem adventure right now. Um, and she, I popped in with her and Kelsey Walmer. Kelsey is also a must follow on Instagram. Mm-hmm. She, um, she does some of the most creative like modeling and cosplay. Like, you know, you can, yeah. you can call it cosplay, but like she, she's doing her own twist on things. One of my favorite ones that she did was when she was the bride of Frankenstein. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she's just, I mean, another horror film nerd and she's so smart and she's such a good, kind of fin- like filmophile just like us. Yeah, we've been wanting to have her on the podcast for a while. We're just waiting on like the perfect we one. We need the right movie. Yeah. Um, but she, so I, they were having a, a scary movie night, so I popped in and uh, Lennon told, she was like, when you get home, you need to watch Houses October Built. So it was one of the first things uh, we watched when I got back from Los Angeles. Um, and I found it, uh, it thought it was really I thought it was really interesting. It was interesting. I wouldn't say it's one of the, my favorite things I've seen, but it was definitely worth watching. And I, they apparently made a sequel to it. I'll watch the sequel, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a found footage movie, which uh, which I'm not usually a huge fan of found footage movies. This one, no. This one was done pretty well. Yeah. Um, it basically is about it's about these people who are traveling like the American South looking for like the best uh, <clears throat> excuse me the best haunted house attractions yes and they end up finding one that's supposed to be like super elite and like or not elite but like invitation only and super secret super move. secretive super scary um, I and, think it's like supposed to be like the scariest yeah ever and it just goes off the rails it, it is definitely definitely worth watching. Uh, Real quick, before the break, we've talked about a lot of things. Let's see if we can recap the ones that we want to rate. Um, uh, so we said well over fives for uh, for Hill House, right? Hill House and for Hush. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to say about Hill House is that Hill House is what American Horror Story thinks it is. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. American Horror Story thinks it's clever. It thinks it's scary. It tends to, it tends to confuse gore for scares. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. Now, I will say... With me not being a huge fan of American Horror Story, I'm still watching it. I'm almost done with the third season. I'm <laughs> going to keep on watching it because it's interesting, but it's not, I, I don't consider it to be like horror horror. Right. Um, but uh, Hill House was, you know, I like I said, I'd do a six out of five on that. Oh my gosh. Uh, Jordan never jumps for <laughs> jump scares. And there's a jump scare in there in which we both levitated off the couch. Yeah. It's... So scary. <laughs> now, that, that is the flip side to having watched as many horror movies as I have, is that it's hard for me to be genuinely scared at one. But Hill, Hill House will get you. Um, Hush. How many would you do? Um, I would give that four and a half. Yeah, I would do four and a half as well. Uh, the Scream movies, just one after the other. Um, I mean, I would. I give, I give them all like fours to four and a half. I'll, I'll give them all... Well, probably solid fours. I'd probably give them all about... 
as a series, I'll give it a three and a half. The individual um, movies we can, you know, we can do another time. Yeah. Uh, see, what other ones did we talk about? We uh, talked about um, the thing. Yeah, we we already I, rated that. Yeah. Um, what would you give uh, Houses October Built? We give it about a two and a half to three. I'll I'll give that one. Uh, in the high twos, I'd give that, like, if we're going to, normally I do things in halves, I'll give that one, like, a 2.9 or a 3. Yeah, and the reason I, I kind of see it a little bit lower is the ending is so disturbing. Mm-hmm. It's so disturbing um, that it kind of bothers me. Um, and I guess maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, that's what horror should do. Now, I will say, as being, like, as somebody who loves horror as much as I do, and the older I've gotten, I've become a pacifist, so it's not like... It's not like, you know, oh, yeah, I want to see how this person gets sliced up. Oh, right. But with horror, it affects what I've heard somebody describe as the lizard part of your brain. Okay. And really, it's the same thing that, you know, if you're into it, that pornography does as well. You know, it it does, it affects the primal part of your brain that, you know, like, just releases, I don't know if they would call it endorphins or not. Fight or flight. Yeah. So... So that's why I love horror movies. Now, I'm willing to watch a horror movie that doesn't scare me as long as it's entertaining. Like, the Friday the 13th movies, they don't scare me, but they're entertaining to right. me. Uh, Halloween 6, which I always used to think was the worst Halloween movie, is actually creeping up to, like, more in the middle range for me just because it's so entertaining. Yeah. Um, you know, so, like, to me... I am willing to watch a horror movie if it's either scary or if it's just entertaining. Now, if it's if it doesn't do either, or if the whole movie is just super boring and uh, and then it just has stuff that happens at the end, I'm not willing to put up with that. Agreed. Uh, I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? I'm just trying to think of what else. Uh, We talked about um, it comes at night. Like we said, not really a horror movie, but we talked about it. Yes, Uh, it comes at night. If I say it is not a horror movie, I give it like a four and a half. Yeah. Four. No, four. Because it was just like, huh? Yeah. Uh, but as soon as you put it in a horror film, it's a two. Because the whole time I kept being like, I, what? Yeah. But it's super psychologically messed up. I even knew not to expect the traditional horror thing in there. And the whole time I was watching, I was like, well, when does something happen? And then at the end of the movie, it all pays off and it all wraps it up. And I was thinking about it for a long time. So I would give that one just overall like a solid three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So we, since we don't since we don't really watch the whole series. No. Uh, first Nightmare on Elm Street for you. Um. I give it like a three and a half. I'll do that too. Third one. Although the Johnny Depp kill is oh, so good. Oh yeah. It's so good. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, um, the, that, that's their... the third one is the Dream Warriors where they're in the mental institution and they're, they like are trying to find dream powers that will fight Freddy Krueger. I mean, I think I give it about the same. Yeah. Maybe a little bit lower. Yeah. I'll, I'll give that one like a three and a quarter maybe. Yeah. Like, re- yeah. Yeah. All right. And then New Nightmare. Hmm. Maybe like a three. I'll give that one a three and a half. I'll I'll give those three movies again across the board a three and a half. Yeah. Uh, the original Hills Have Eyes. Like a three and a half four. Yeah. I'll I'll give I'll give that one a four. Yeah. 
Um, also, hearing all of this, I give Hush like a four and a half. Yeah. Because it's so good. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, and so creative. I have to bump it up. Yeah. Hush, I know it's not supposed to be like comparative, but like I have to. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I'll give that one. I'll give that one a four and a yeah. half. Well, I need a refill on coffee. Yeah. So we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't wanna go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you, you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back. You need to check out Rocks Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rocks, R-O-X. Rocks Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rocks Jewelry Shop online and with code date night, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rocks, R-O-X, jewelryshop.com and code date night for 15% off. And we are back. Yes, welcome back to Date Night at the Movies. And this is our ultimate Halloween guide. So during the break, we realized we're having a lot of fun talking about these movies. And again, guys, you think that our whole podcast gimmick is just a gimmick? No, this is what we do at home. You know, we talk about movies, we analyze movies, and we like... I remember once we when we lived in uh, Van Nuys in California, we played a game where we literally went through every shelf like of our DVDs and Blu-rays and we had to choose our favorite movie on each shelf. We're geeks. Total nerds. We're geeks. Um, But we also realized that we're we're podcasting this and uh, maybe we're starting to get a little too uh, sinewy and we need to maybe give ourselves some structure. Yes. And and maybe all of you are tired of us. Um, So now that we're back from the break, let's I want to talk real quick. So we're talking about movies we want people to see for the most part. Yeah. And we're going to try and segment this a little bit. Yes. So So I want to talk about the worst horror movie you've ever seen. So are we talking about like bad, enjoyable horror movie or just a bad I think just movie? like bad. All like right. You left it going. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I may remember some other ones as we go. Just what's to, like, do your like, I have one in my head that I'm like, this what's, was awful. What's yours? The Bell Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that movie. Yeah, this is so, I just want to talk about this movie. So we are from Middle Tennessee and um, there's the story of the Bell Witch and she basically haunts this certain segment of Tennessee. Um, And you can go and she's like an attraction to the place and it's a whole thing. Uh, One evening uh, we saw it on Netflix Mm -hmm. and because we grew up with this story, uh, we watched it. Um, it is most clearly shot in California. So it's not even real. It's just, there's palm trees everywhere. And at one point it's like February in the movie and they're all in swim, like they're swimming they have like a pool party. Mm-hmm. So it's, you, you, that does not happen in February in middle Tennessee. And like, they're like girls no. who get, like take their tops off and start running around. And 
you know, at the risk of sounding misogynistic, their nipples were not stiff enough for February in Tennessee. <laughs> also, is the Bible Belt. I, you know, I don't know how much of that is always going on. Yeah. Granted, when people are under severe suppression, they tend to get a little bit more cray. So, but um, it was also just not scary. Mm-hmm. It was just not scary. So that to me, uh, whenever I think, oh, if you just need to watch a bad movie to make whatever bad movies you have been in feel better, um, I can't recommend um, The Bell Witch even less. <laughs> I will I will agree with that. Um, I'm sitting here trying to figure out because I've seen so many horror movies and I have a low I have a low threshold for what I'm just going to consider bad. Well, you know? what would you say? Um, what what's the first one that comes to your mind? The first one that came to mind for me was Child's Play Three, <laughs> and that's the one that's the one where Chucky goes to military school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the Chucky movies. No, I like the first one. All right, the second one used to be my worst, but I watched it about a year ago just out of curiosity, and yeah. like it, it was better than I remembered it being. Um, so I. That's the one that springs to mind. Uh, I recently rewatched Jason X, and that was pretty awful. Okay. The only reason I didn't say that one first is because there's a part of me that thinks that they knew how bad it was, and they were just having fun with it. Oh, okay. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, Jason Goes to Hell rings up there as pretty high on the awful movie list, too. Fair. Um, the fights were never hike alone. I was influenced by Jason Takes Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And that, and that one's pretty bad, too. But, like, Jace, the Jason is on point in that movie. Fair enough. You know, but, yeah, I would say... I would say one of those. Um, God, I'm... I'm crippled by choice at this point. You've you've said enough. All right. So um, those it, may not actually be the worst ones. If I think of any other ones throughout the course of this podcast, I'll say it. The Bell Witch is the worst. Uh, I mean, honestly, you knocked it out of the park so well with the Bell Witch that I don't know if I can beat. I that. just had to talk about it, and I still tell people to go watch. It. Is it even still on Netflix? I don't know. Yeah, should we rewatch it sometime? No. So, so it's a found footage movies guy movie guys, and. The one thing that I will give them is that, like, because you have to have, they had different ways to, like, you know, introduce other characters in a found footage movie that wasn't related to directly to the family who bought the Bell Witch's house. Right. So the one thing that I will give the movie is that they introduce those characters well because, like, you know, one of the guys who dies is an electrician. He's like, hey, guys, this is Rick on YouTube, and I'm here to show you how to do your own electricity repairs. Uh, and then he gets killed filming his, filming his YouTube video. Uh, and then my favorite, and this is the one that always sticks out to me is like the sister, the sister's boyfriend gets killed by the bell witch. And then his friend who may, may have been in the movie at another time, maybe, uh, but he gets out there and then he like sets up a video and he's at the woods and he's like, Hey guys, so this is me. Um, I'm doing this as a video tribute for my friend. He, he was always a close friend of mine. And he just kind of like half-heartedly points. He's like, right over there is where we used to catch tadpoles. Like obviously trying to improvise it, but not doing a very good job. And then he gets killed. Yeah, and I'm looking up um, like the legend, and the legend's so good. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of sucks that. Where we're from, we are told that that was an influence on the Blair Witch Project. Now it is. Is it? Yeah. Does that from the Blair Witch filmmakers themselves? Oh, I don't know. So, again, they say that where we're from. 
I'm not sure. Maybe uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine, Ben Rock, is he was the production designer on Blair Witch. Uh, he actually uh, has a new podcast from Shudder that just came out, uh, Video Palace. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's gotten nothing but awesome reviews. Awesome. Uh, he also does uh, Twenty Seconds to Live, which uh, is oh. have you you've seen? You at least saw the one that Laura did, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's his. That's his baby. So maybe I will actually ask him if uh, if the Bell Witch thing was true, yeah. or if they're just kind of putting the names now, together. And I just want to also clarify. So there's a lot of Bell Witch business. Mm-hmm. We are specifically talking the Bell Witch Haunting, the 2013 film. Yes. Yes. This is the Bell Witch Haunting. Because there's other ones that I've not seen, and I don't want to judge. Um, but I, I'm, the first Blair Witch. I hated. That's you know how I talked about earlier where it's you know I'm not down with movies where nothing happens and then it builds up something crazy intense at the end. To me, the Blair Witch Project is the template for that. Yeah. And you know, obviously, like you know, I know someone who worked on the production of it, and you know, I don't want to just badmouth his work or anything. Well, like his that. work was great. Yeah. The story itself is just like eh. now it has the best final ten minutes of almost any horror movie oh. in existence. Oh. Them standing in the corner? Yeah. Ah. But you know, like, that wasn't, that was never supposed to be the movie that it was. That was always supposed to be an experimental student film. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And they wanted it. So, what was also what I love about it is they made it like it was true. Yeah. Yeah. This, the, the, the history of that film and the importance of that film. You can't be understated. It can't be understated because it rewrote some rules. Especially because they were, like, whenever they were doing the advertisements, people genuinely thought that, the, that it was true. Like there were, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time when people were just like, I can't see that movie because those poor teenagers died in that movie. Right. And yeah. it, so we're not saying, and, and, and I don't include the Blair Witch as the worst movie I've ever seen. No, no, no. I remember seeing it as a teenager and I was like, really? However, the Blair Witch 2? No, no, it's the third one. Blair Witch 2 was oh. the, that was the one where like it wasn't documentary style. And it was like people who watched the movie who went into the woods to see if it was real, and like it, it was not a good I don't movie. think I saw that. I've only seen bits and pieces. That's the only reason I can't include it on the worst horror movie I've oh, ever seen. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I'm not, in, but the third one then, the yeah. one that came out, what, 2016? 16. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was scared senseless. You know, we're in the minority on that. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, most people hate that movie. I don't understand why. I don't either. Because all stuff, of us that went and saw it were like, Ugh. stuff actually happens. It was you, me, Alex, and was it Andy who went and saw it? It might us? have been Andrew. Yeah. 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 E- either way, I, I actually like the four that of movie. us liked it. Yeah. Yeah, we were the only four people in the theater, but we loved it. <laughs> we loved it. I, ju- I was like, cr- I was like I'm, grasping onto you guys. I was so scared. That's actually another director who I'm pretty down with. His name is Adam Wingard. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He did. Uh, he did a movie that we watched together called "You're Next." Yes. Yeah, I like "You're Next" a lot. Um, I like that movie. He's about to do uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, okay. He did. Uh, Gojira. Yeah, he did Death Note for Netflix, which. Was I didn't love it, but it, I mean, he's definitely a director with a vision. He also did some of the segments on those VHS movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which some of those are actually really good. Yeah. All right. Let's dive into our next segment. Okay, so this next segment is one that I came up with. I went upstairs and got every horror movie we own on Blu-ray or DVD, except for the ones that we've already talked about. So, like, I didn't get down, bring down The Conjuring. We never rated The Conjuring movies, we, by the way. You brought The Conjuring. Did I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Everybody, mm-hmm. the, I could do a few hours on that movie. Well, 
alone. Well, we may end up... Uh, we We're going to talk about it. Yeah. I end up um, talking about that one a little more. But basically, so, like, I didn't bring down the thing because we've already talked about the thing. So I'm just, we're going to lightning round this we're, and literally I'm going to lift it up and we're going to give our ratings and we are allowed maximum two sentences. About Great. It. And then the ones that we'll talk about are the ones that it's not Halloween unless we watch this movie. Yeah. If we need to call an audible, we're going to call an audible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you, so these are all just mixed in no particular order. You ready? <laughs> Joy to the world. Wrong season. <laughs> we're getting there though. Cabin in the Woods. Ooh. 4.8. I'll give that one a solid 4.5. So good. Yeah. Uh, it found... What I, what I will say about it is that not only... It was a clever twist on the Cabin in the Woods thing, but in the end of the movie, uh, they creatively find a great way to just be like, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Like, it, it was the best example of building a movie out of a collection of scenes that I've seen. Yes. Um, and, to, and it played... Against all, it, it played with all of the scary movie uh, tropes, mm -hmm. and it gave us a reason of why people. I, what I love about this movie is, is it kind of gave a why to they can't get away. Yeah, because they're not it, allowed. It to. gave a why to the virgin, the jock, the stoner, the um, yeah, yeah. Super great. Um, I consider that an all-year-round movie. I do, too. We, we Actually, we hardly ever watched this during Halloween, but that's because we watched it earlier in the year. Yeah. Okay, next one. Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Oh, um, I haven't seen it in a minute. I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a three. I'll, maybe maybe like a three and a quarter. I'll uh, probably do three and a quarter. Yeah, mm, yeah. I'm sorry. Let me drop it down. Yeah. It's fine. It, it's fine. It's... Now, like, which, which one is who's in that? Gary Oldman plays Dracula. Winona yeah. Ryder, Keanu Reeves. Oh, I'm so sorry. Two and a half. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know this one now. But, no. But Monica Bellucci, you know. Oh, fair. Yeah. Uh, no, I, this one is very, it's a very great adaptation of the novel. Yes. Um, you know, it's got some interesting stuff in there. And the way that he made it, like, I won't go into too much detail on that. But if you're interested in this kind of stuff, look up the behind the scenes stuff on Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Because basically, he decided he wanted to use almost no CGI on there. Yeah. Uh, so, like, even when you see stuff that's superimposed, they literally built a 20-foot tall journal to film. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, it, it's a very artistically well-done movie. I just don't consider it essential horror. It's not essential horror, but if you are working to become a movie file and be able to talk like a nerd, watch it. And if you're an aspiring director, watch it. Yes. Because he directs the hell out of this movie. Yes. Okay. okay. Again, we are rating these as horror films, not as films in general. Yeah. Stoker. Ooh, ow, gosh, we haven't seen that in a minute. I know. Most people, a lot of people have not seen this movie. In fact, I probably said Stoker and people are like, what? Uh, give a little log line. So basically, uh, basically... It's a fam it's a family, a mother, daughter, and father who kind of live like a secluded, privileged, rich life. Uh, and it was filmed in Nashville. It's a very Nashville movie. It's a very Nashville um, movie. W without being like country music Nashville. Um, but the father dies and the uncle comes back. And just some very sinister and creepy things start to happen. It's... I would give it a four. I'd give this one a four. It, it's a little less of a horror movie, but it's a very creepy and unsettling movie that I definitely recommend. Yes, Nicole so, Kidman is in it. Uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, Mia Wasikowska, and Matthew Good are the three yes. main characters. And uh, what's what's his name? Uh, Dermot Mulroney is, plays the dad in it. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Weaver is also in it. Uh, it was directed by uh, Park Chan-wook, who uh, did Old Boy. 
Yes. Um, and the music was done by Clint Manziel with a piano piece written by uh, Philip Glass. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. So Stoker, um, we actually, we got this movie because we heard about this movie being filmed in Nashville. We lived in LA at the time and we were like, oh, we'd love to see that. We were a little homesick. A little homesick and holy crap, it's really good. Yeah. So Stoker, highly recommend. All right. The original Fog. The John Carpenter one. I have a great story about this. Please tell. Okay, so we had just moved to Los Angeles Mm -hmm. uh, many moons ago. I was working at a hotel down on Wilshire Boulevard at the time, close to Santa Monica, um, across the street from UCLA. And uh, I did the classic me thing of, oh, that's an old movie. It's probably not scary. So Jordan was like, no, we have to watch it. I'd never seen it. So we watched it. And... It creeped me out so much, but I didn't realize how like bothered I was by it until I went to work. I was working the night shift at the hotel and anybody who's lived in LA knows about, um, basically, uh, Marina, like the, the Marina fog that Mm -hmm. comes in and it's late at night and y'all this Marina fog comes crawling through UCLA. And I thought, Oh my God, there are like evil death pirates in here. And here we go. This is how I die. So scared. I was so scared. I didn't realize how psychological this movie was until I thought Marina effect was going to kill me. Yeah. Now, uh, I think this is a great movie. I love the music on there. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Deborah Hill as well. Yeah. Because she tends with like Halloween and the fog and, uh, a, uh, she was a part of Assault on Precinct 13 and I think Escape from New York as well. Like Those are the ones that she worked with John Carpenter on. She was a powerhouse. Yeah. A fantastic producer, fantastic writer. Um, she also produced the movie Clue. And oh, okay. Yeah, uh, like a lot of a lot of movies that you wouldn't think of. But Deborah Hill was a powerhouse in a time whenever female producers weren't taken seriously. So I just want to give a shout out to her. The Fog, I will give a solid four. Oh, solid. Yeah. It's definitely date. It dates itself. Mm-hmm. It's very dated, but the story's great. And again, if you live in a place that is gets super foggy and it kind of rolls in, like lose my mind. Yeah. Okay. Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe. That movie scares the living bejeebus out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true. Like this is kind of essential Halloween viewing for us, but we, yeah. it doesn't get watched every year because sometimes Jessica just can't handle it. I can't it. handle it. It's too scary. <laughs> Um, I know by this point, we've seen this movie so many times. I know where all the scares are and I can't deal. Mm -hmm. I watched this whole movie behind like our soda cup. (laughs) I was so scared. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is great. It's still weird seeing he's a dad in this. This was shortly after Harry Potter too. Yeah. Or as well, I should say, uh, not literally Harry Potter too. Um, and it's so, so it's a little weird, but he's such a good actor and it's played really straight and it's a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it, I'll give it a four and a half because it scares me so bad. And I consider it essential Halloween viewing, uh, when I can muster it. Um, and don't watch woman in black Two. It's terrible. Woman in black Two is awful. Uh, I would give that one like one and a half. Oh, I'd give it a one. It's awful. Yeah. Like I almost left in the middle of the movie. Um, Woman in Black, I will give a solid four, just because it doesn't affect me the way that Jess- it affects Jessica. I don't like it. Excuse yeah. me too But that's bad. still a glowing recommendation. Oh, yeah. Right. Original American Werewolf in London. Oh, oh gosh. I would give it a three and a half, four, but him turning into, so I watched a long time ago, um, 
just kind of a countdown of scary movies, like best scary movies ever. Mm -hmm. The transformation of the werewolf in this, it looks so painful and awful and it just, oh, it's really good. Yeah, I would give this one a solid three and a half as well. Uh, the the half alone comes from the transformation scene. Yeah. Um, the rest of the movie is kind of a three. You know, there's a lot of baggage with watching a John Landis movie as well, because everything that John Landis is. Uh, and, you know, just look up Making of the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm just not a huge John Landis fan, but uh, I do love this movie. It's And um, it's, if you haven't seen classics... That is considered a classic. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it is must-see Halloween. It's not must-see for us, but it is a classic upon classic, um, yeah, and it, you it, need to see it if it you have It gets watched once every couple years for yeah. us. Yeah. Okay. The First Exorcist. Oh. Must-see Halloween viewing. Put it out. We haven't watched it yet this season. Um, it still bothers me. Yeah. Um, for me... It gets less scary as it goes on, as the years go on. Yo, it should. But, but it gets more powerful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the movie is, like, really, the movie's about grief. Yeah. And uh, Jason Miller in this movie is so good. (gasps) So good. So, like, for me, his story, uh, Father, Father Karras's story, it is Karras, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That gets more powerful as the years go on. Um, the movie itself, like the scares affect me less and less, but the, and, it's, and it's dated. Yeah. But the, the story of it always gets me. What I also love is how, cause Max von Sydow was in his like mid forties when they did that movie, the makeup was so good on it. In that movie, he looks like how Max von Sydow looks now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, again, it's one of those, it's a classic because of, of its power. It's a good movie mm-hmm. also the little girl yeah. yeah and ellen burston uh when is she not good yeah it was just really good and the makeup who did the makeup effects uh let's see i think i know who it is uh, who's the guy who has the school in hollywood is it stan winston no, it's not stan winston uh his name dick let's see Look and see if I can find it. If you have anything you want to talk about The Exorcist. Hold on, everyone. This is important. Because we talked about Stan Winston earlier. um, And shout out to the Stan Winston School. We also... uh, We watched the Island of Dr. Moreau um, documentary. Uh Uh-huh. And they did a lot of the makeup effects for that. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend that. The Island of Dr. Moreau... Dick Smith. Dick Smith, yeah. Uh, But the Island of Dr. Dr. Moreau is a... It's train a, wreck of a... It's a garbage movie. I, I just don't consider it horror. That's why I didn't mention yeah, it earlier. Yeah, no, but I wanted to talk about makeup. Yeah. Since we're looking for this. Um, because the makeup for it is great. And what's the documentary called? Lost Souls? Uh, yeah, Lost Soul. It's Lost a, Soul. Yeah, the um, the doomed tale of Richard uh, Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that is infinitely more engrossing than the movie ever could dream yeah. of being. But, um, but the makeup effects on The Exorcist was done, done by Dick Smith. And actually, I just pulled it up on the interwebs. Um, and it's uh, number six on the ten most groundbreaking Uses of special effects by mm-hmm. How Stuff Works. Yeah. Uh, which is a, an NPR um, segment. <clears throat> but yeah. Oh, and he created the fake blood recipe for Midnight Cowboy that is still in use. Well, there we go. So Dick Smith. 
Yeah, Dick Dick Smith, and, and he he does have the makeup school in Hollywood, right? Or there's isn't there the Dick Smith makeup school? Uh uh-uh. uh I thought there was. There might be. I'm just not aware of it. Gotcha. I learned makeup by Nan Zabriskie. There you go. All right, next movie, Frailty. Uh, directed and starring Bill Paxton. Oh gosh, uh, Bill Matthew Paxton. McConaughey. Uh, Powers Booth. I don't think I've seen that. We've, you've seen it. It's been a while. Oh, okay. It's the one where the father, it, where the father is told. He has a vision of an angel telling him that the end of the world is coming and he and his sons have to kill demons. Oh. And so he makes them like build the basement in the shed and they're kidnapping people. And the oldest son, uh, the, the oldest son doesn't believe and he thinks his dad has gone crazy and he's being forced to, to help his dad kidnap and kill these people. Uh, and the this. youngest son believes. I will say this is probably one of the best horror movies of the 2000s. And I am so disappointed that Bill Paxton didn't get to make any more horror movies because yeah. this is like, it's like watching classic literature, you know, and the movie isn't about demons and stuff like that. I mean, it kind of is. And it has a really good, uh, has a really good twist at the end of it. Uh, but it is definitely... It is definitely one of the best movies, one of the best horror movies of the 2000s. And I will watch this anytime. I will give it a solid four and a half. Wow. All right. Put it in the pile that to watch. Yep. I, I hope this we don't get a Shawshank on this one and our disc actually still works. Because oh, no. I've had this one for over a decade. Okay. Noted. Uh, all right. The original Suspiria. Okay. I like this movie a lot more than Jessica does. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I know that this movie is important and it's like scary ballerinas. I think the all-girls school aspect of it just is enough to weird me out. Well, you want to know, I think one of the reasons that it may be weirding you out that you're not aware of. What's that? Uh, so the... the movie was originally written to happen at a ballet school full of 12-year-olds. But uh, Dario Argento, the director, his father was the producer on it. He said, if you are killing 12-year-old girls, we are never going to sell this movie. So, no. So he adjusted it to be like a, a school for ballerinas like in their 20s. But he didn't change any of the dialogue. And he purposely, all the, uh, all the doorknobs are put at their eye level. So that way they have to reach up and do it because that's how his original vision was with the 12-year-old girls. So that they have to reach up. So he did all that to make it seem more naive and innocent. Oh, I'm so bothered. Uh, yeah. Uh, I will give this one a solid four. And I love the soundtrack on it by Goblin. Oh, yeah. I love that yeah. soundtrack. I mean, I'm very bothered by this movie. And it might be kind of like The Houses October Built is I give it a low score because it just bothers me on a certain level. Mm-hmm. And I just have a hard time. I have a hard time with it. Yeah. Well, what's your What's your star rating? Three. Respectable. Session nine. Oh, I haven't seen that in a minute either. I know. This one I think is good. I I don't think it is as well put together as it thinks it is. Yeah. But it is enjoyable, solid, scary viewing. I would give this one three and a quarter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's directed by Brad Anderson, stars David Caruso. Uh, Peter Mullen, who's in a, he, he's in everything. Uh, if you ever see a middle-aged uh, Irish actor with short gray hair, it's probably Peter Mullen. Yeah. Um, it's about a, an asbestos cleanup crew who goes in to clean out uh, to clean out an abandoned mental mental hospital uh, that was shut down during good old Ronnie R's heyday, uh, and. 
and just like the disturbing things they find inside. It's possibly a supernatural movie, but it leaves it very ambiguous. And it really says more about the horrors that people can do when they are at their breaking point. Right. So, thinking about it, I'll go back up to three and a half. Gotcha. I haven't seen it in, in, in long enough that I can't rate it well, mm-hmm. but I do know it is an important watch. Yeah. And I probably need to watch it again. Cool. I'll put it in our pile just in case. Okay. If we don't get to it, we don't get to it. This one's not really a horror movie. Mulholland Drive. You just have to talk about it. But it's, but it's, no, I mentioned this, I think in the nun episode with Alex, because, uh, the woman who played the nun in the nun in the conjuring Two, also, Bonnie Aarons. yeah, Bonnie Aarons also played the scary, scary, terrifying hobo in Mulholland drive, which I still have like leading up to the scene where you see her, like it still gets me. Yeah. And I would say this movie fits squarely in psychological horror. Yeah. Well, it took me, I watched it, I think three times mm-hmm. before I'm we I started watching this with you like early college yeah and I think I watched it three times before I was like what the heck am I watching yeah um I would give this one four and a half okay mm. yeah it is a bizarro movie you just watched it with Janelle yeah uh, Janelle Foz is another filmmaker she's a set decorator and uh she's a terrible filmmaker because she hasn't seen anything so <laughs> Jordan has took taken it upon himself to educate her um and um I found out that uh he made her watch Mulholland made her is a strong word they agreed upon Mulholland. I, I gave her the option out because I was also like, it's also weird because like Jessica's out of town. Janelle comes and stays with us for extended periods of time while she's working down here and she helps us out with the dogs and stuff like that. Um, she's amazing. Yes, Janelle is great. Um, but I was like, well, now listen, I just have to say because we're friends of opposite genders and my wife is out of town. There's a really steamy lesbian <laughs> sex scene in this movie. Are you still cool with it? She's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so... It's it's just an off the wall movie, but again, it's important. But I mean, it, but Jordan thinks David Lynch hung a moon. David Lynch is one of my favorite filmmakers, and also Naomi Watts in this movie. Yeah, she's so good, and this was one of the first times you saw how much of a powerhouse Naomi Watts is. That's fair. Yeah, but it's not horror. It, it's thrilling. I would like I said I would put this in. It's neo noir neo noir psychological horror is what I would call it. Got it. So. Yeah, it's definitely, it's very film noir. It's like if film noir wasn't just like detective. <laughs> it's not, it's definitely not LA Confidential. Like, right. like LA Confidential is your classic film noir, but this is, man, it does take you on a psychological journey. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Next one. Not a horror, not a horror movie. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Must. It's must see. Mm-hmm. Actually, not only do you need to watch the movie because it's important. Um, however, do yourself a favor and go to a live Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Everybody has one. I don't care where you live. There's some theater school people who are putting a Rocky Horror together, and you need to go put your thigh highs on and go. I'm, I met a good friend of mine, uh, Jake Anthony, because we were playing this really interesting uh, Rocky Horror live show. Um yeah. And the most interesting part about it was there was literally only two instruments, um, piano and electric guitar. So Jake was playing piano. I was playing electric guitar. 
Uh, and the music for Rocky Horror, like there's never been an official like sheet music release for it. So what I like about that is that the guitar, you basically get to do whatever you want as long as it fits the style of the music. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun playing that. Um, again, I never considered it horror. Uh, it definitely, you could easily turn it into a horror movie if you wanted to. It's, I mean, it. But that's not what it is. No, it kind of feels like the young Frankenstein um if it had gone mad. It is a non-horror movie made by people who love and understand old horror movies. Yeah. So I would give I I'd give it a three and a half. Yes. Let's see. If we can I'm trying to pull up. Oh, we've got an ad. Hold on. By the way, guys, we've accepted the fact that this is just gonna be a super long episode. Uh you can cut in and out as you like, but we're just gonna have fun with this one. All right, you may have to cut it off because I don't know what the rights issues are. <laughs> we don't make money off of this. So anyway, Tim Curry is just insanely good in this movie. Mm -hmm. But moreover, I say watch the movie if you haven't seen it. But I actually, what I want you to do is go see it live. Yeah. Because it's fun. It's, it's so fun. So that's what you should do. Yeah. All right, so the next one... I have is The Conjuring, but we're going to save that for the next segment. Yeah, The Conjuring to me... It's Essential Halloween viewing. Essential Halloween period, end of story. Uh, this is another Essential Halloween. We may have to wait. Trick or treat? We watch this every year on Halloween day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is Essential Halloween viewing. Let's talk about it more a little later. Yeah, so we'll put those two in their own little pile. Yeah. Uh, this one, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Fright Night? Has Roddy McDowell and Chris Sarandon in it. No, but you've talked a lot about yeah, it. Yeah, Vampire Next Door. This is, uh, it's a good, solid 80s schlock movie. Uh-huh. Uh, it's more well done than it has the right to be. Performances are pretty good. Even The annoying evil Ed is good at what he does. Uh, I like the music. It's done by uh, Brad Fidel, who did uh, the Terminator soundtracks. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I like it. I'll give this one a solid three, three and a half. Okay, yeah. awesome. Um, let's do a couple more and then we'll go on another break because I'm sure our listeners are like, also do yourself a favor, write it down as we go because, yeah. um, and if there's other movies that you're like, Hey, what do you think about this? Just let us know too, because obviously we okay. really like this genre. So let's just lightning round the last ones. Let's see if we can get this done in, in just a few minutes. Okay. okay. So, Two minutes and under. So literally ratings. Okay. The original Jaws. Oh, five. Five. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one, uh, Tenebrae. I haven't. All right, it's another Dario Argento one, Italian uh, Gaio horror. Uh, is I this the moth one? No. Never mind. No, this is, it's hard, It's really hard to describe. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I've only seen it once. I liked it okay. I'll give it a solid three. Okay. Uh, again, it has a Goblin score that I really like. Okay. The remake of Friday the 13th. Ooh, I give it, I get judged for this. I, I do too. Three and a half. I'm going to give it a four. Because that opening, the cold open, the cold open is great. Yeah. And Derek Mears, I think, is probably the best Jason out of the whole series. Oh, Derek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So killer cut. Yes. Shaun of the Dead. Ooh. Uh, see. I'm giving this one four and a half. Oh, like four and a half. It's such a good fun story. Yeah. That happened. <laughs> John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. 
Ooh, I haven't seen that in a minute. Oh, it's so good because it's like this dream. It's like dream and a dream and a dream. And it, it's so dreamlike that the stuff that doesn't really play well uh, still works. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three and a half, a 3.8. I'm going to give it a four. I just brought this one down just to mention it. The Tales from the Crypt TV series. Oh, that's, I have such a soft place in my heart. Uh-huh. And the guy who's the voice of the Crypt Keeper. John Casser. Yes, he was on Halloween Wars. On, <laughs> I'm a big, uh, I love baking shows. I need to watch the Brit- Great British Bake Off. Anywho. Um, uh, obviously, there are better episodes and there are worse episodes in this series. Uh, but as an overall, what oh, would you think? I mean, I... Uh, I gotta give it a four. I would too. Even the ones that don't work are never not entertaining. Right. And there's still episodes that stick with me. And we both have commented that while growing up when this would come on on HBO, could not get past the opening. The Yeah. The opening always it. scared me. Um, and then the very first episode with the mm-hmm. serial killer dressed as Santa Claus. Yes. Terrified me. Yes. All right. Zombieland. Ooh, filmed here in Hotlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're making it, trying to make a sequel. Um, I'll give it a three and a half. I'll give it a three. The, the, I, what I will say about this one real quick is that uh, the movie would be better if they didn't constantly narrate everything. Ooh, fair enough. Uh, at the very end of the movie, so like he talks about how he's scared of clowns throughout the movie. At the very end of it, like, you know, he has to try and save uh, Emma Stone, which obviously. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, there's a clown zombie and then you hear the narration that here he's like of course it had to be a clown i need to overcome this i'm just like if you wouldn't have said anything we would have gotten it It would have made your movie better that alone knocks off like a whole star but it was a trope this was like mid 2000s uh 2010 yeah mid 2000s so um it was very obvious it was a very it was a trope at the Mm -hmm. time it was a very big trope so but it's a really fun movie. Yeah, it, it's fun. I would. The rest of the movie is great. If the narration was cut out a little bit, I would have been all about this, this movie. This movie is worthy just from Bill Murray alone. Mm-hmm. And Woody Harrelson. And Woody Harrelson. He's so good. Right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Ugh, two. I'll give it two and a half. I enjoy it. It's fine. Yeah. With <laughs> such disdain. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we're we're, we're, tr- we're trying to we're trying to move through this. Uh, Poltergeist, the first uh, one. Um, I give it a three on my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I give it a four um, in the importance of horror making. I think that is a solid assessment, and I will agree with that. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, again, it goes. It's a classic, and if you're trying to up your up your game as a movie file, you have to see it because mm-hmm. it, then you'll go, oh, this is where these all these other movies come from. Uh, I'm going to skip the Stephen King uh, TV movie ones just because that can lead into much longer conversations. It's a whole different thing on its own. Um, But, all right, The Mist. Ooh, is that the original or remake? Uh, There's only one. We've already done The Fog. The Mist is the Stephen King one where they're they're trapped in the grocery store and the creatures in The Mist. Yes, and that was released in 2015? Uh, No, this was like 2007. Yes. They, They did the TV show. Which was That's apparently right. awful. But right. We saw this movie. We did see this movie in theaters. Uh-huh. It this was is a date Frank, night. Yeah, this was Frank Darabont starring Thomas Jane. Yes. It was a date night. Um, Three. I'll give it three and a half. Okay. All right. You're next. So this is a the one we touched on briefly. It yeah. Adam Wingard directed it. It's a home invasion type of movie. It has a great synth soundtrack on it. Uh, the family obviously hates each other and are constantly fighting. Yes. Um, I'm going to give this one a three. I'll give it a, th- I'll give it a three, three and a quarter. 
Yeah, it's Because I, I consistently enjoy it, and I rewatch this one. I never go back to, I never go back mm-hmm. to this one. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see why. I like it. Yeah. All right. Creep Show. Oh, heavens to Betsy. I haven't seen this movie in ages. I'm going to give Creep Show a four. I love Creep Show. And it's George Romero. George Romero, Stephen King. Uh, I love the soundtrack to it. Oh, it's got them sunk to their heads. Yeah. Okay, that scene alone where they... It's Ted Danson, right? Yeah. And they've got them buried to their heads. Uh Uh-huh. I can't sleep at night because of this. (laughs) So, what's your rating on it? I mean, I don't remember the movie well enough Uh uh, to rate it, but I do... That sticks in my mind. Okay. The Frighteners. Ooh, I give it a four. I'll give The Frighteners a four. It has not aged very well. No, but I mean, it was such... It was the last movie um, made before Lord of the Rings. Yeah. um, It was Peter Jackson's last, like, you know, gleefully madcap movie he made. And it's mad. And it's, but the digital effects, it's like what Wega Digital, that is super famous now. This movie, they wouldn't be without this movie. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, you you can thank this movie not only for Lord of the Rings, but how awesome the apes look in the new Planet of the Apes. Exactly. And it's just, it's wildly imaginative. Um, Charlie Crowell is the stunt double for Michael J. Fox. And it's like the action in it. And it's just, it's a great movie. It's really fun, but it's mad. Mm -hmm. Um, I give it a three and a half. I'll give it a three and a half. But it's really, really good. We do watch that every year, Mm. but it is not must-see Halloween. No, if we don't get to it one year, uh, that's fine, you know? Right. Uh, Okay, Hocus Pocus. Um, I could do an essay on this movie. Please put it in the pile that we have to talk about. If I don't watch it for Halloween, it's not Halloween. Uh, The remake of The Hills Have Eyes. It is... So creepy. It is brutally disturbing. It's so brutal. I mean, as a, oh my God, horror movie, I give it 3.8. Yeah. It's just so disturbing. I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go with that. I'll go with three and a half or so. Okay. Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. I know it can. I know it's probably more of a Christmas movie than a Halloween I think, movie. To me, it's more of a Christmas movie. But this is one of my favorite movies of all times, mm-hmm. and it's one of the first uh, movies um, that I watched when I moved out on my own at eighteen, and I watched it with all my college girlfriends um, in Miami. Um, I give. I have to give this movie a five. To me, I'll give this movie a three and a half, just because I didn't grow up with it. I didn't either. I was eighteen. Well, uh, but I always, but the difference is I always kind of grew up with a stigma against this movie. Oh. It was like, this is one of those forbidden movies in my house. Oh. My parents don't like this movie. Yeah. I remember bringing it home at Christmas because to me it has full of wonder and joy. To me it is a Christmas movie, mm-hmm. um, but the Halloween segments in it are just great. Yeah. We, we don't watch this movie at Halloween. We watch this one at Christmas. True statement. Yeah. All right. Um, we would love to know, when do you watch night, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas? I'd love to know. I actually do really want to know when you watch it. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, uh, I mean, it's... I give it a three. I'll give it a three and a half as the movie. I'll give it a four and a half for importance. Ooh, fair. Yeah. Fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're getting there, you guys. Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> Brains. <laughs> Brains. Um, Send more paramedics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a two. But in importance, I give it a four. I'm going to give this movie just a solid three and a half all around just because, like, I sit down, I watch it, and I'm having a good time. Yeah. 
Um, and we don't own it, but the Night of the Living Dead. Not, original Night of the Living Dead. Is is an incredibly important movie um, as far as just horror films go. Um, but the ending is tragic mm-hmm. and poignant and awful. And it is something that I think is still relevant. Um, so I would say Night of the Living Dead. If you're going, hey, uh, you know, I got jobs. I can't watch all these movies. Yeah. I would say go watch Night of the Living Dead. It's not scary. No. It's not scary, but it is an important movie. Interesting little behind the scenes note on the original Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. So it was made with no money, right? Right. And the reason why you see it all over the place and there's so many remakes is because they didn't they didn't even have the money to do the legal paperwork properly. And the movie immediately went into public domain. Really? Yeah. But, um... But so there's the scene where the car blows up and then the writer who was on set with George Romero was like, there's no way that the car would blow up. You wouldn't see zombies on fire. And he's like, yeah, I know, but we can't afford fire effects. And the writer's literally like, I'll play a zombie, light me on fire. So without gel, without any extra, like, specialty clothing or anything, literally set him on fire. So whenever you see the zombies stumble across the screen on fire, that's the writer of the movie who was just like, yeah, we need this done. I'll do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. We don't endorse that. It follows. I have a very interesting relationship with this movie. Um, I don't like it. I don't. I can't, I've never finished it. I don't understand why people are talk about how scary it is and how great it is. I'll give it like two and a half. The, this movie is most effective because of the music. Ooh, I can see that. And there are a couple of places in there where it's where it's just great. There are a couple of like really good imagery scares, but for the most part, I don't think this movie works as well as everybody says it does. Yeah, I, I've Jordan has tried to get me to watch it like three times and I can't do it. All right, Friday the Thirteenth as a series. As a series, mm-hmm. four. Four, hands down. I would almost like I, I I would say as far as the slashers go and talking about like behind the mask, which we didn't rate by the way. No, what what would you rate behind the mask? So behind the mask, I would give a four. I'll give a four. It's hilarious and it's so good, and then it just unravels. Yeah. Um. And it's really good. And he talks. And the reason I bring that up is because he's talking about the greats. He talks about Freddie and Mike and Jace. And um, I would say my as far as slashers go, I mean, I would almost say I like the Friday the 13th as slasher films just over Halloween because Halloween started all. But Jason is like this thing. Jason is definitely more iconic also because they all they would always get his mask right. Which which you can't say about Michael Myers. No, and the and also again, I've learned a lot having um, I you know I've been a part of Ghost Jason, Mm -hmm. and I learned a lot about the masks because I had to. Yeah, (laughs) and it's the just the the lore behind Jason Voorhees is really impressive and amazing to me. Do you have a favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie? Hmm, I love the first. I mean, it's very classic because it's the mom, which is the one where um, the oh, it's the re- I love the remake, you guys. All right, outside of the remake, because the remake is probably one of my most enjoyable ones. Oh too. my gosh, it's so good! She puts the sweater on, mm-hmm. Jason. It, um, yeah, I think the first one because you expect it to be mm-hmm. not the mom, and it is. Uh, the first one's actually not one of my favorites. Uh, my the ones that I go back to the most are two, three, and four. Two. I also really like two. Yeah. I really like two. Two, it, two is probably the best one. It, honestly, if they if they would have thought to give him the hockey mask in two, then that would be everybody's favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie. 
Yeah. Because in two, he still has the burlap sack. Yeah. Um, But like, that's one of the best representations of Jason is the crazy guy in the woods. Yeah. Uh, The characters in it are likable. It has one of my favorite uh, final girls in all of of them. Screen Uh, queen. Yeah. And, you know, and especially like whenever you're, you know, a younger teenager watching these movies and, you know, like... Again, the lizard part of your brain and you like to see nudity and stuff like that in your horror movies. Uh, I, I tend to agree with Gorley and Rust, where they say if they did a Friday the 13th movie and never showed another naked woman, woman they'd be fine. And I agree oh, with that. so agree. But, but when I was a kid, it had my favorite naked women in it, too. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Great lightning round. Yeah, that's our that's our pile. Should we take a quick break? Let's take a quick break and we'll go through our short list of what you must watch. All right, we'll be right back, guys. Hey, Jordan, is it really fun to try to find a healthy place to eat with me? God, no. My body runs off of sugar and processed food and yours decidedly does not. <laughs> that's fair. So if you happen to be in Atlanta, definitely head down to Peachtree City to the Fit Kitchen ATL. The Fit Kitchen is a premier fast casual design your own salads, wraps, and poke bowls restaurant as fit as you want to be. So head on down to Peachtree City, Georgia, and whether you want to be as fit as a stunt woman or healthy as a composer. Let's aim for slightly above composer body. then you definitely need to head down to the Fit Kitchen ATL. So you can follow on Instagram at the Fit Kitchen ATL. Again, the Fit Kitchen ATL. Or the website, www.thefitkitchenatl.com. Again, www.thefitkitchenatl.com. Welcome back to the Ultimate Halloween Movie Guide. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this is Date Night at the Movies, and we're drinking coffee. It's chilly outside, and we're talking all things horror film. Yeah, you guys have been exceedingly patient with us, because normally you could have listened to almost two episodes with <laughs> us by now. Um, but we are huge, not only cinephiles, but just lover of scary movies. And we do watch them all year. But we are going to talk now about the movies that if we don't watch them, it's not Halloween. Right. So, yeah, these are the movies that that we watch every year without fail. Some of them we've already talked about before, but we're just going to mention them again as we go. Uh, you know, there's a lot of John Carpenter in here, but we've already heard us talk about that. Yeah, so we'll be, we'll be kind. We won't talk about it anymore. But we, I will say that for us, Halloween 1... Halloween 2 and Halloween H2O are movies that we watch every year. Yes. Um, As far as Halloween movies go. And The Thing. Those are the ones that we've already talked about uh, that we watch every single year. I'm going to say this isn't as much of a Jessica one, but for me, every year around Halloween, I watch Halloween 3. You've heard me talk about how much I love Halloween 3. Yeah. We're done with talk. We know. Mm -hmm. We know. Thanks for being kind to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're allowed to talk about movies you like, except if you talk about that one anymore. It's just exhausting. Um, I want to talk about the movie that I have to watch first. 
Mm-hmm. I have to watch it first. Can which one is it? Can you guess? Uh, I'm gonna guess. Uh, you're. Uh, I've already watched it this season. You're apparently in a very judgy mood with me against uh, my movies, so I don't know if I feel comfortable guessing. Oh, I've not created a safe space. No, actually, no. I know exactly what this one is, and it is Hocus Pocus. How do you know? Because I <laughs> have been married to you for a long time, and I've been dating you even longer. <laughs> so, Hocus Pocus. Um, it's very Disney. We actually talk about all the time that if we want to know the script before Disney got it. Are you interested in hearing some things that I found out recently? Yes. So there isn't a whole lot of information on this. This movie was written by Mick Garris, mm-hmm. who uh, he directed Psycho 4. He's done most of like the Stephen King television movies. Uh, like, you know, he did The Shining, which I really like. Uh, he did uh, Desperation. He did Bag of Bones. Oh, Desperation. Yeah. So like, you know, Mick Garris is a pretty solid director. Um, but he understands horror like crazy. Mm-hmm. And he actually created that show on Showtime, Masters of Horror. Yeah. Which I've thought about just trying to go out and buy again because there's some great segments in there. Yeah. But um, he wrote this. Apparently, I always I always wondered, was this movie ever actually a horror movie? Because you can see how, like a it straight horror movie. Yeah, like when the witches come back, you know that there would have been an extra kid in there who got killed immediately. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you know that whenever she sets the parents to dance all night, that in the original script, they were probably all dead. Well, apparently there was an original script that wasn't Disneyfied, And apparently it was a straight horror movie. And then uh, I can't remember how, but Disney got it. And then they turn it into more of a kid's movie. When you think about this movie, like if you don't take the good humor off of it, when you do take the good humor off of it, it's scary. Yeah. Um, it's just, Bette Midler is so good and, uh, it's just, to me, it's, it's lighthearted. Not every horror film has to scare me out of my pants. I'm also an easy scare. Um, but to me, uh, it's, it's just, it's, I need to light the black flame candle before Halloween is official. I saw something, uh. Somebody posted the other day, they said, Hocus Pocus is all well and good until you watch it with your kids and all of a sudden have to explain to them what a virgin is. <laughs> um, so to me, I kick off, like we've said a million times, we watch movies, scary movies all year, but Halloween season is not Halloween season until I see Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Hocus Pocus. I don't, I, again, it was another one of those movies that wasn't allowed in my house. So I didn't grow up with it. I never actually saw it until we were dating or married. I can't remember which one. Yeah. We were married. Were we? Yes, because uh, it was, we were living, I believe, in the in the little blue house, which our production company's named after. And you, I think you finally revealed to me you hadn't seen it. And I think we stopped everything we were doing and watched it. Uh, I think I had to go to Amoeba and buy it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like it. I again, if you think about the undertones of it, you know, outside of like the Disneyfication of it, uh, it is pretty creepy. Um, I think you know, Bette Midler, Kathy and Jimmy, and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker are great in They're it. They're so good. Yeah. <laughs> They're so good. Um, you know, I and Doug Jones. Yeah, Doug Jones is great. I'm so good. Yeah, I, that was. I if I'm doing the math right, I think that was one of like his first big ones. One of his first big ones, but like, just like, and he was an actor in it. Yeah. He wasn't just a monster. Yeah. He yeah. is a monster, but he's. Well, he, he's still, he still has all the creature makeup and everything. But like, you know, I, I think that's where you see kind of the first glimpse of the brilliance of Doug Jones. Agreed. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I like this movie. Uh, again, not all horror movies have to scare me. And this one's great because 
Like if you have younger kids and you think that they might be interested in horror or you just want to kind of share your love of horror movies with them, it's a perfect one to start them off with. Yes. You know, like because even if you get into something like, I mean, technically Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't really have any blood in it, you know? Um, and Halloween is pretty bloodless as well. The same with Psycho. Um, but those are pretty intense movies to start kids off with. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I didn't take a, sh- when I, I watched Psycho, I was probably 11. Mm-hmm. I didn't take a shower for a week. I had to take a bath with the door slightly open. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think that Hocus Pocus is a great one to like start kids off with horror. And I like, and sometimes I need a no stress watch. Mm-hmm. It, it is definitely no stress. The only part that stresses me out is when they go to the house with the couple played by Gary and Penny Marshall. Oh, that is stressful. It, it's stressful to me because, I mean, Penny Marshall plays that character so well. Yeah. But she reminds me, when I was in L.A., there was this woman who who uh, hired me to help her write some songs. Oh. It eventually turned into more of a partnership. And then it eventually got to the point where she put out a particular brand of crazy that was no longer worth, the juice was not worth the squeeze anymore. Yeah. Uh, but... When I see the Penny Marshall character in there, I mentally check out because it's exactly like her. Yeah, I understand. The way, the way that she yells, the way that her uh, inflection is, the her spacing between the words, it is 100% this woman. I so, get it. I can't watch Archer. I yeah. get it. Yeah. No, if you notice during Hocus Pocus, that's always the time whenever I check my phone. Yeah, that's fair. So <laughs> uh, Hocus Pocus must watch. Yeah. Um, also, just real quick, Psycho. We don't own Psycho. We but- do. Huh? We do. We do? Yeah. You didn't bring it down. Uh, it was in the Alfred Hitchcock box set. Oh, and heavens. so I just missed it. Yes. Well, Psycho is also extremely important, but instead of us talking about it, actually go to Unspooled. They're doing the AFI Top 100, mm-hmm. and their episode on Psycho is really good. Yeah. So um, if you're really interested in Alfred Hitchcock in general, um, I would say subscribe to Unspooled because... Um, there's a lot of Hitchcock in there mm-hmm. and their episode on Psycho, I think is really, really good. It, it's really good. And they have a special guest on there who has some unique insight into, yeah. especially the shower scene. Yes. Um, you know, I tend to agree. I, they mentioned this and other people mentioned this is that Psycho is a better first half of the movie than it is the second. Yes. But I mean, at the time, like it's important is like a hundred out of five, you know? Agreed. And uh, Janet Lee is great. And I think it unfortunately did bad things to her career, which yeah. is just shame because Psycho has become a cornerstone in film. Mm-hmm. But overall, Psycho is a great watch. Yes, uh, and Alfred Hitchcock is definitely one of those that you we try to have to separate the it, it maker com- from the artist. Comes with a lot of baggage. A lot of baggage. Yeah. He's a bad dude, but good filmmaker. Uh, what would you, so what? first of all, what would you rate Hocus Pocus? Oh, I give it to four and a half. I'm surprised it's not a full five for you. Well, it, I know it's flaws. And mm-hmm. it's definitely not horror, but mm-hmm. it's not Halloween without it. Yeah. Uh, I will give it a solid three and a quarter. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, we've already, have we talked about The Exorcist enough to where we can move on? I think so, but must see, must see, yeah, must see. It is essential horror, uh, essential Halloween for us. Yes, essential Halloween. All right. Uh, we talked about In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, yes. So is there anything else you want to say about that? No, to me, it's not essential. Yeah. But to you, it is. What, you didn't, we didn't rate this one. What would you rate in the Mouth of Madness? I thought we did rate it. Did we? I thought we did. Uh, what would you rate it? I think I gave it a three, three and a half, I think. Yeah, I would give this one a three and a half. And if uh, we did rate it and you guys recognize that our ratings are off, I do want to know. <laughs> our bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I have this in here. We've already talked about them Friday the 13th. 
Yes. At least one of them is always essential viewing. Yes. Uh, like I said, my essential ones are two, three, and four. Yes. And I think uh, I think one and two, um, for me, the remake and Never Hike Alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So these, these are two we haven't gotten to. These are like my favorite. All right. First of all, we're going to talk about the one that we've already mentioned. But like, we've mentioned both. We haven't mentioned the other one in this episode. Yes, we have. You brought it up. Oh, well, either way. Lost your mind. Either way. The Conjuring. We also didn't rate The Conjuring yet. I love this movie. Yeah. I love this movie so much. This is, this is essential. I mean, we would watch this movie year round. Yes. And it's one of the few, like, the sequel wasn't as good, but really the only reason the sequel wasn't as good is just because, like... I don't like it as much as just because it's not as good as the first one. Otherwise, but it is a solid, a solid haunted house movie. Oh, it's so good. I would say, so this, um, ah, sorry, I got to get comfortable because I got to talk. Mm-hmm. This family of films mm-hmm. is really great. Conjuring, Conjuring 2, Annabelle, Annabelle 2. But yet, you know what's also included in this family of films? Which, oh, The, the Nun. nun. Damn it. The Nun is the low point in these movies. It's the ugly stepsister. <laughs> Which I'm only talking about Cinderella. I'm not being misogynistic. I, I was I was gonna say I've been doing a really good job of keeping my misogyny in check, and you just came straight out with that I'm one. Sorry, Disney's fault. Mm-hmm. Disney ruins everything. Um, okay, the nun notwithstanding, this family of films. The so I'm a huge fan of the lore of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a haunted house. Uh, well. The first half of my little life I did. And then I moved to a lovely horse farm and life was better. Um, But I believe in ghosts. Me as a human being think ghosts and things like this are real. And The Conjuring to me is spiritual warfare on display. And um, these demons, these evils, it takes what we learned from the exorcist and what's so good about the exorcist modernizes it and ups the stakes to me. Mm -hmm. And I just think this movie is just outstanding. And when we go into Annabelle and Annabelle two, also really good. I think Annabelle two was better than the first Annabelle. Really? Yeah. Okay. I like them both. I, I but do, Annabelle 2 is great. Yeah, I do like them both. To me, Annabelle, was it Annabelle Origins or what, whatever they called I it? I forget, yeah. Uh, but that was more of an engaging movie to me. Understood. I can see that. And I, I mean, a creepy doll does me in. I don't do Chucky movies. Mm-hmm. I don't do Chucky movies. I don't do them. I don't. They're doing a remake now. I'm great. Aubrey Plaza is playing the mom. I didn't realize that we were at a point where Aubrey, Pro- Aubrey Plaza is playing moms now. Now, there is the Chucky movie, like kind of the most recent one in the house with the girl in the wheelchair. Oh, we did watch the two most recent ones. There was uh, there was um, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky. Yeah, the crazy movies. Curse of Chucky of Chucky was pretty good. Yeah. Um, Cult of, Ch- of Chucky, which is the sequel in the mental institution, not as good. Not as good. But Curse of Chucky was actually pretty solid. It's a great movie. I don't do Scary Doll. All right. So getting back to the Conjuring movies, one thing I will say that I I would have rather seen them keep making Conjuring movies, even if they couldn't get the whole cast and crew together, but at least based on based on the actual cases. Because, you know, you, you know, my opinion is that I don't think that Ed and Lorraine Warren were telling the truth. I do. Uh, but... 
you know, whenever they did The Conjuring, it was like, you know, yeah, it's based on a, it's based on a true story, true events. And then they did The Conjuring 2 based on true story, true events. And then they start making fictional stories based upon the uh, based on like Annabelle and then The Nun. And at that at the time of The Nun, I was like, oh, you guys are just aren't pretending that these are true anymore. Right. And that's kind of disappointing because yeah. because when they're based in like this possible reality, there's this visceral fear that yeah. just it's and we talked about James Wan too. He's got this like piano wire that just uh, like you know things are not okay throughout the movies. Um, and what I loved about The Conjuring too, even when Valak because I said the mm-hmm. word, I'm afraid she's gonna like pop out of the walls. Um, I'm legit scared of ghosts, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like I, after a scary movie, I don't turn the lights out in the house. I don't go in dark rooms alone. So um, when in The Conjuring two, when she comes out. Uh, and it's just, it's just terrifying. Yeah. It's just terrifying. And the conjuring is, I don't know. It's just, it's so good. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm noticing just sitting here with the cover in my lap is I've never noticed the hands on the cover of this before. You haven't? No. That's when she's at the top of the stairs yeah. and they're playing the... The clap game? game. Yeah. Ah! It's so scary! But, so they have a picture of Lily Taylor on the front of the Blu-ray that we have and she's holding up the match and she's looking scared. That's all I've ever noticed. This is the first time I've ever noticed that you see the ghost hands come out oh of it. Oh my God, like I can't, you guys, I can't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, all right, so what would you rate The Conjuring 1? I mean, a five. I'll do five. What because about, it's just, it's, an, it's so good. What about The Conjuring 2? Uh, four. I'll do four for that. But it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Crooked Man, what I didn't like about, The Crooked Man ruined it for me. Yeah. Knowing that it was an actual creature f- actor who did this amazing job as The Crooked Man, but then the CGI made it look less real, and it yeah. t- it really took me out of it, and that's mm-hmm. why I give it less. Yeah. Uh, also, also, I think the thing about the Crooked Man is they had the Crooked Man uh, talking, and what they did great in like the first Conjuring movie. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Alex is how like the the best threats in these types of movies are the ones that yeah they're physical threats, but they're more psychological. So like you know whenever you have like ghosts show up and just terrify these children, like that's scary to me. But having the crooked man come out and like say his rhyme, that was a little Freddy Krueger to me. It was low. It was very Freddy Krueger, which I why I don't find Freddy Krueger that scary. Yeah. But also in the contrary too, when the dude shows back up in his chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Annabelle, um, the two Annabelle movies. The first Annabelle scared the poop out of me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was scary. Um, and Annabelle, the human, was played by Trio Tool, um, a stunt woman, and she also played the hands of Valak. Yeah, and and she also know. played softball with Jessica as well. I love Tree. Hi, yeah. Tree. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Annabelle movies. I'll just just because I've only ever seen each one of them once, I'll give it a three. I'll give them a three and a half. Yeah, but I really this is a scary ass doll. Mm-hmm. Is what I'll tell you. Yeah, you know the actual Annabelle is just a raggedy Ann doll. Yes. Um, I'm really glad they didn't because it would take something benign. I'm really glad they made it a very unique doll. Yeah. Because I would have had to like throw away Raggedy Ann. Thanks, copyright dolls. Or copyright dolls. Copyright laws. I know. I'm yeah. glad. It's scared to creep out. Uh, and then do we want to revisit the nun or do we want to just move past that? Um, if you are curious about the nun, I highly suggest our episode on it. And to quote Alex, once again, we went and saw a thing that resembled a movie. Yes. All right, so that's The Conjuring. Now, this is the ultimate Halloween movie for us. I think this is our number one because it is... Would, you, would this be considered an independent film? Uh, it's legendary, 
So right on the cusp. This was before Legendary started getting big with like the Godzilla movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, which we're also big fans of. Yeah. Um, this this movie is is a it's a it is a culmination of tales that tells one story, and yeah, it, it is the reason we have talked about it before. So hopefully, um, in other episodes, and mm-hmm. we've mentioned it, but it is the reason why we have to, even though we don't have time, we always carve a jack o' lantern and have it lit, and we do not blow it out. Right. So, what's the name of this movie, Jess? Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Now, this is some people say Trick or Treat. I think they're wrong. It's spelled Trick or Treat. Honestly, I think there was just another movie called Trick or Treat that they. Yeah, it's spelled Trick or Treat, and you can say it Trick or Treat, or you could be wrong. So, I think it's Trick or Treat. Yeah, it's Trick or Treat, (laughs) Uh, like a Trick or Treat parade, Trick or Tape parade. Trick or Tape. So, who's Um, in this movie? Give us a rundown. This one does come with a little bit of baggage too, because it's produced by Brian Singer. Wow. Yeah, and we like there's so many other podcasts and stuff on that. Uh, the what was the name of that documentarian? I can't remember her last name. It is Amy. She's the one who did West of Memphis, uh, which she, is a great documentary. Yeah, she did one called An Open Secret that has to do with sexual abuse in Hollywood, and it mentions Brian Singer a lot in there. Again, I'm not a part of any of these. I can't say one way or the other, but all I'm going to say is that Brian Singer movies come with baggage now. And and unfortunately, where we are in this day, day and age, oh gosh, it, it sucks that we can't even get through a podcast without talking about this. I know. I mean, it, it's it's just, su- it sucks because it's something that's been happening, but it's good that we can't get through a podcast without talking about it, you know? You are 100% right. It just, it sucks because it's just embedded in our art form yeah it's embedded in everything it's embedded waking up and going to work yeah and so it sucks but But not to try and gloss over that but just because we're trying let's try and keep this a fun podcast we'll move past that yes but i I, it is worth mentioning and it's probably in other films too so please know that we are aware of this but this to us is one of i would say our favorite halloween film yeah and it was produced by brian singer it's not like he wrote it and directed it or anything yes and the director of this signed our copy no that was uh uh, behind the mask. Oh, it was behind the mask. Yeah, How, we know somebody who did this movie. Yeah, no. Uh, no. Um, this did. was this was uh, directed and written by uh, Michael Darty, who okay. is doing the new Godzilla movie. Yes. So, which uh, which did you spend any time on set for that one? Uh, no, I was hired for it, um, and then they took somebody who was on a weekly, uh-huh. and because when you're on a weekly, you can do multiple things, and she wasn't working the two days I was supposed to work. Gotcha. So I was supposed to double an actress in Godzilla, but I got re- replaced for monetary reasons. Uh, it happens, It right? happens. I'm not bitter. I will go see it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actually really excited about that yes, one. Yes, I anyway, love monster so movies. Back to this movie. So the way that I always describe this movie the first thing I say about it, and this is exactly what you need to tell somebody before they watch this movie, is that your love of this movie uh, directly depends on your tolerance for murdered children. Fair. And uh, murdered children in movies. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not in general. Like, yeah. we're all anti-murder of anybody. Yeah. Um, but children are easy, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bad person. Yeah. Um, Very much so. <laughs> this, But this movie, man, it's in... Tense, And it's not like the Rob Zombie create human caterpillar, which we could do a whole episode about Rob Zombie in general. We and our have f- such mixed feelings on Rob Zombie movies. Yes. I want to like everyone I've watched, but I never really. Yeah, like, like the Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects is great. I am forgiving of his first Halloween remake. 
Yes. But but we talk about this often is he, he uses gross and gore. I just say even just gross as horror, but he, but he's a good filmmaker in what he does. Mm -hmm. And like devil's rejects is a movie. Yeah. I I would like to see Rob Zombie do, see how he handles a non horror movie. He was supposed to do a biopic on Groucho Marx. Really? Yeah, but they didn't let him do it for some reason. I would have loved to have seen that. Interesting. Because I think Rob Zombie is actually a fantastic filmmaker. I'm just waiting on him to make some good movies. Yes. Um, but there's, but so yes, we could do a whole podcast on that. Uh, hashtag there are thoughts. <laughs> but going back to Trick or Treat, um, kind of give us a cast rundown so people can kind of make sure they're watching right. the right movie. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's an anthology, but it's all connected. So this movie uh, includes um, Dylan Baker. Uh, who you might know from Happiness. Again, depends on your uh, your <laughs> stomach for bad things that happen to children, and that's where I'm going to leave that movie. Uh, it has Anna Paquin in it. Mm-hmm. It has Brian Cox, uh, who you might recognize from, God, everything. He's in the Ring remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first Hannibal Lecter. I mean, Brian Cox is in everything. Brian Cox is in everything. And Anna Paquin, if heaven forbid, you don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the star in True Blood. Yeah. Um, she did the goose, the geese movie. Uh-huh. So good. Uh, it also has uh, Leslie Bibb in it. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie actually doesn't have a lot of, like, big names in it, though. I think Anna Paquin's the biggest name. Yeah, Anna Paquin is definitely the biggest name in this movie. Like, Dylan Baker is in everything, and he has, he has has he's had such a good career. Yeah. But you, like, if I bet if I'm saying Dylan Baker, half of you are just like, who? But if I said, oh, the guy who's supposed to be the lizard in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, you might recognize him. Fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, it, so it's a very, like, low-key, it feels like an indie movie, but it feels like an indie movie done right. Um, so... Again, it has it has like a thread that connects everything, but they're individual stories. Right. Now, this is a this is a graphic movie. This is a movie where uh, lots of kids are killed on it. It's basically about it, it's basically taking the mythology of Halloween and putting yeah. it in a small town where yes. Halloween is a big deal. Yes, it is the spirit of Halloween in a film. Mm-hmm. And if you think, oh. If you're one of the people who's like, I don't get Halloween, there is a lot of mythology and lore of why this day is a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it is technically, I guess, like when, you know, the spirits are closest to the earth, to, to like the autumnal equinox and all sorts of things like that. And um, the embodiment of Sam Hain in this movie is a small child dressed mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And it is... It's pretty benign until it is not. Yeah. Uh, And like the way that they have Sam keep popping up throughout. uh, My cousin Katie is actually a pretty well-known Sam cosplayer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this this is a part of the story that sucks because especially in the cosplay world, you know, your pictures are just all over the place and people will repurpose them. So there are like Sam t-shirts out there. That are literally my cousin Katie because they stole her picture from her. That's tough. There are people who have Sam tattoos on their body that are the picture of my cousin Katie. That's bananas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she did a great job with her costume. Um, but yeah, so it's hard to talk about this movie without just spoiling it. You know, it's done very comic booky. So, you know, I'm sitting here yes. talking about dead kids the whole time. It's not like it's not like reveling in its awfulness. No, it's done like an old EC Comics horror thing. You know, it's kind of got a grindhouse feel to it as well. It, it's like 
Yeah, it's like if uh, the Tales from the Crypt TV show were done like Grindhouse movies, but like it's still shot clear. It's not like grainy film or things like that. No, it's modern film. It is. It ages really well. Mm-hmm. It's not full of CGI. It's full. It's a practical effect movie. Uh-huh. Um, it is. It's disturbing. It's not a lot of, it's not known. I wouldn't say it's known for its jump scares, but it definitely has jump scares in there. Yeah. But it, it's love of the creature and the mystical and the lore and the magic is front and center. And I think that's why this movie is so good. It's not about the scares. It's about why we need to respect this day. Yeah. In a way. Totally. Um, yeah, th- I mean, really, like, if you think of this, think of this movie like an in- like an intense horror movie. It's not quite as intense. Like, you know, it's kind of comical. So you have to have a stomach for horror comedy, like the Evil Dead movies or something like that. But if you can, if you can watch things like the Evil Dead movies, then uh, or American Werewolf in London, then you know this movie should be pretty pretty easy for you to watch. Yeah, it's constantly entertaining. Yeah. Um, it's dark, but it'll make you laugh in a few places. And the story, the stories yeah. are great. They're so good. Um, and they do, inter- they, it's an anthology, um, but they do connect. Yeah. So it is a full film. It's not like watching VHS, which is like its own stories. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so good. And after that, you will always make a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. It's, again, it's, I know it sounds like we're just kind of like surface level talking about this. Kind of like. Because we really, if you haven't seen it, we really want you to see it. Yeah. And we don't want to spoil it for you. But this is like the number one Halloween movie that you need to watch. I remember, so when I lived in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where, with, you know, I had five roommates who we all went to high school with. They all went to MTSU. I was the only one who was just working. Uh, but there was a Hastings uh, right next to my house. So I used to go there and I used to trade movies and music and video games and stuff like that. And that's how whenever I was poor, only making, you know, 400 bucks a month, how I was actually paying to see all these movies that I had. Mm-hmm. And like all my friends in the area, they would all come to my house and basically like rent movies from me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh I was in Hastings once waiting on them to look at my uh, trade-in that I was doing. And they used to play, like, uh, clips of stuff on their TVs. Mm -hmm. So they played the trailer for Trick or Treat. I'm like, never heard of this movie. That's weird. And they had it on sale for, like, 10 bucks. I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is worth worth checking out. You know, if nothing else, I'll return it. I'll consider it a rental, you know? Right. I watched it. And then I was like, this is great. Oh, my God. God, this is a good Halloween movie. So like the next day, and it was right around Halloween, I got all my roommates together. We watched it. We were all like, wow, this is a great Halloween horror movie. And we literally watched it like four times that season just because there were people who kept coming in who hadn't seen it. It was like, we're watching it, you know? It's it's a great group movie too. Yes, and it's a new way of telling these stories. It's not uh, It's not a throwback to another film. I mean, it's obviously been influenced by them. We're influenced by everything, mm-hmm. but it's its own thing. Yeah. And the performances in it are over the top in the best possible way. Yeah. Uh, Brian Cox plays like the creepy old man next door. He apparently uh, modeled his character's look after John Carpenter. Oh, I can totally see that. Yeah. Oh, it's like if John Carpenter, like, (laughs) I don't want to spoil it, but did something really bad. Um, But uh, like, and everything's over the top, but in the best possible way. Again, it feels like, like a comic book type of thing or like, you know, yeah, just like a 50s horror where they were getting away with a lot of like awful awful stuff like Herschel Gordon Lewis type of thing yeah uh 
Yeah, just you need to see this movie. I cannot come recommended enough. Agreed. Yeah. And for what it's worth, you guys, we didn't talk about what both of our number ones are. And this one just, it just is. Yeah. And I think we know that about each other. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's so many other movies in the world. Like you even brought up Ash versus the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, gosh, the world is so big and full of like scary movies. So I just think it's fascinating how much we didn't talk about in two hours. You know what I mean? Like there's just the gamut is full and we didn't even we barely touched on Rob Zombie. We barely touched on a lot of things, but I hopefully we've given you guys there, there is one more segment I want to talk about. What's that? Uh, so, first of all, we never rated any of the Halloween movies. We didn't? No. So, what would you rate Halloween 1? I mean, four and a half. I'd do it five. Uh-huh. Uh, Halloween 2. Four. I'd do four and a half. Uh, we won't go through all the other ones. Um, Halloween H2O. Four. I'll do three and a half on that one. Um... And then we already did the we already did the newest Halloween movie. Yes, you can oh. listen to episode ten. You'll yeah. hear all about that. What about the Rob Zombie ones? The first Rob Zombie Halloween movie. I mean, I give it a four. I'll I'll give that a three and a half, three and a quarter. Yeah. The reason I love I love the Rob Zombie one is I really like the origin story. Yeah, the origin story is actually my least favorite part of it, but it, I applaud him for swinging for the fences. Yeah. And the thing is that when that movie is good, it's really good, and whenever it's bad, it's really bad. Um, his Halloween two. Two. I'd give that one like a two. Yeah. Uh, I just don't, I, you don't root for anybody. Yeah. The characters are unlikable. And again, it's just gross. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So one other thing I wanted to talk about. So especially while you were in California a few weeks ago, I was just, you know, looking for things that I would watch that I didn't think you would be into. Okay. So I want to make some recommendations for people for a few horror movies that you can get on streaming services. Yeah, So go like for if it. you're already doing Netflix and Hulu, then you know you have these on here. First one, this one's on Hulu. It's called Mom and Dad. Okay. It is, it is Nicolas Cage crazy in the best possible way. So he's in it. Basically what it is, is... Uh, Give you quickest because we're like wearing our fans out. Yeah, so. I, I know. I mean, this is going to be a few episodes on the way to work, guys. <laughs> um, so... The premise of it is that there's something that happens that makes uh, all the parents in this town want to kill their children. Now, not other people's kids, just their kids. And so so while that's going on, it has, you know, teenage daughter and her little brother. They're basically trying to stop their parents from killing them. And the whole time, like, uh, like the parents are like, you know, no, we love you guys more than anything. Uh, but like it just has this ingrained thing. And it's like, you know, the parents like they finally have something in common again. It like puts the spark back in their marriage. It's funny. It is black comedy again. If you don't have the stomach for things like that, don't watch it. But if you do, I cannot recommend that movie enough. Fair enough. Um, if you're watching, you know, we already mentioned Houses that uh, Houses October Built. Yeah. Uh, there's that and a sequel on there. Uh, that's on Hulu as well. Um, another couple movies I want to mention, you can find this on Netflix, are the Creep movies. So there's Creep and Creep 2. Uh, they're found footage ones. Uh, Jess, are you familiar with Mark Duplass? Yes. All right. So, you know, he was in the Safety Not Guaranteed, and he and his brother have that show, Room 104, on HBO. Yes. Um, basically, he hires, in each movie, he hires uh, somebody to come and just, like, film his story. Uh, and without 
without giving anything away. It just gets creepier and creepier as it goes on. Uh, the first one isn't even an hour and a half long. The second one, I think, is a little over an hour and a half. I think the second one might be a little better. Uh, and you know that there's a sequel, so you know that the first one doesn't end very well. But like, it's right. still surprising how they do it. It's found footage done right. Uh, it doesn't revel in any kind of grossness or anything. It, it like it has a few jump scares in there, but that's not what it's about. It's about just being unsettlingly creepy and how creepy like overt friendliness from a stranger can be Fair enough. so i definitely recommend uh recommend those movies it seems like there was another one that i watched uh i can't think of what it is so i we're already well over two hours i'm gonna go on ahead and cut it there but if you're on hulu watch mom and dad and if you're on netflix watch the creep movies uh i've also heard really good things about the babysitter the babysitter we actually went to watch that last year with uh, brian and lennon and we didn't get a chance yeah, to been too busy uh, but yeah, the babysitter. Um, again, haunting of Hill House. I know that's not a uh, that's not a non mainstream one. Everyone's talking about that now. But that is one I highly recommend jumping on the bandwagon. Agreed. Uh, any of the Mike Flanagan ones on Netflix, he has a lot of them on there. That's going to be some of the next ones that we watch. I think. Yeah. Um, also, if you turn you you listen to this and you go, wow, I really do like uh, horror films. Uh, we have a Shudder subscription. Uh, this is not a sponsorship. We are not sponsored by Shudder. This is because we and we're, we don't we're not sponsored by Hulu or Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, but we really like our Shutter subscription. Um, yeah. And it's offerings of things spooky, scary and things that jump in the night. So, yeah, let me talk about Shutter real quick. So I always keep a lookout because Shutter does run some specials. Uh, I bought the whole year for 40 percent off and it was only like a, a year, a year subscription for like 25 bucks. I think normally it's closer to like 40, you know. Uh, so even at even at forty dollars a year, that's a good price for as much as they give you. Yeah. But we watched uh, Channel Zero on there, the first season with Candle Cove. That had its moments. It was it was it wasn't bad. Right. Um. But like you know, they have the uh, Crystal Lake Memories that we keep talking about. The seven hour long uh, Friday the Thirteenth documentary is great on there. It has the four and a half hour long Nightmare on Elm Street one. Uh, I watched Phantasm for the first time on there the other day. Uh, Mandy is coming there, which we didn't get to see in theaters. So once that's on Shutter, we're going to watch that and we'll do an episode on that because yeah. I've been teasing that for a while. Uh, they have a lot of great left of center horror movies. They have a lot of good like mainstream ones like the Halloween movies are on there or a few of them are. They've even started putting some Alfred Hitchcock on there as well. Uh, and they have some great original programming. Uh, yesterday, John Carpenter unveiled that he recorded a new theme for Shutter. Oh, cool. uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing that. But yeah, if you like these horror movies and you want to check out some that maybe you wouldn't come across on a regular basis, uh, we already talked about um, we already talked about the one that Ben Rock did, Video Palace, the yes. the podcast, which I'm looking forward to listening to. Um, it's definitely worth your money, even if you pay it monthly. It's only like four bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, highly recommend that. Jess, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you think we should mention? No, I, I feel it's, I mean, pretty comprehensive and I know we've missed a lot, um, but hopefully this will get you, hopefully this will inspire you to have your Halloween season go a little bit closer to Thanksgiving or American Thanksgiving and, uh, and hopefully kind of get you on this road of, of things that are spooky. <laughs> now, so we had the Easter eggs that Jessica put in the episode. Yes. Uh, so. sh should we say those again? Nope. Okay. You got to listen. All right. So here's another Easter egg for if you've made it through this long. Um, 
we really we've started to get some reviews or some ratings on iTunes, and we really appreciate that. I want to start seeing some reviews on there. So yes. uh, it this is unlimited. Uh, you may have noticed that I've been putting some new music into the last episode in this one, just to kind of get into the season. Uh, inspired by John Carpenter, I literally took like three hours and made a Halloween-inspired uh, track. And then you've been hearing pieces of that throughout this episode and last yes. week's. If you leave us, uh, if you leave us an iTunes review, uh, let us know on our page, uh, you know, and we'll set up set up a way. Uh, let us know if you've left us an iTunes review. Let us know on Facebook what the name that you put the review under was, so that way we can go back and see it. And we'll figure out a way to get you all that music. I mean, it's literally like two minutes worth of music, but I'm not releasing it anywhere else. So this is exclusively for people who leave us uh, who leave us reviews on i on iTunes. And honestly, if you uh, if you are leaving some genuine recommendations and reviews on Facebook, I'll do that too. Anybody who wants to do this, I will give you. Unlimited. Yes. So, because we're looking to continue to grow this podcast um, and we get m- more listeners, but also we get more interaction because so far, thank you to all of you who are interacting with us. It's actually been really, really fun. Um, and also something that I get asked a lot um, over Facebook is, but I haven't seen all these movies. Should I still listen? And what I just told someone today was, yes, still listen, but... What I'm hoping is we do have spoilers and we do tell you, but hopefully before we get to all the spoilers in the episode, you go, Ooh, I do want to see this movie or no, but I just want to hear, I want to hear about the rest of it. So maybe you'll want to rent it. Um, you can rent uh, movies on Amazon. You can rent movies. Uh, if you have like a PlayStation, a PlayStation network, again, these are things that we are not, we are not sponsored by, but they're opportunities to have your own date nights in your home mm-hmm. and to have your own movie nights. So hopefully our podcast, um, before we get to the spoilers, which we usually save till after the first break, unlike this one where we have all the breaks. Um, it in- will encourage you to see these movies. And if you're kind of the kind of person who's like, I don't want to waste my time, hopefully we can help guide you on whether, even if it's a movie we don't like, but you like hearing what you're what you're hearing about the movie, it'll encourage you to see the movie. So um, please tell your friends um, and uh, hopefully it will will help you guide you yeah and just a little bit of exclusive good news this episode is little we are recording this on october 30th i'm putting this out a day early on halloween yes uh so i just got an email while jessica was talking about that (gasps) we have been accepted on stitcher Oh, how exciting, yeah. everybody. So, so we are going to be on Stitcher probably within the next few days, maybe another week or so. You'll be able to find us on there. Uh, I know I'm going to look us up and I'm going to subscribe on it. Uh, Stitcher is a free app that you can get. Uh, you know, just, yeah, I'm very excited about that. And now we'll have multiple ways for people to hear our podcast. And again, we really appreciate everybody who's been listening. Uh, we're we're up to something crazy like 500 individual listens on SoundCloud alone. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't include the breakdowns that I read about uh, individual downloads. You know, we're up to almost 400 individual downloads. And we started this thing like, I don't know, a month ago. Yeah. And we are just so grateful. And thank you for going on this adventure with us. And like, we got up early this morning and I have to go to work tonight. And Jordan has to edit this and go back to work. And, and uh, anybody who lives a freelance life knows that your day off doesn't mean you have a day off. It means you're also hustling for your next job. And, um, so we are just, thank you for going on this adventure with us. And hopefully it's something, you know, you notice that it's something that we truly love. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. And 
And most importantly, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. Uh, so I guess it's time to sign off. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be very happy to have us sign know, off right God, now. We're tired of these people. So everybody, this has been Date Night at the Movies. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Yeah.